Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying your NCAA tournaments because they have been outstanding. If you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. You can also join us on YouTube where we're live simulcasting the show, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways you can interact with us. Uh, by the oh, Email, of course, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Don't forget that. You got that option as well. Haven't changed the backdrop as we had hoped to, but we got a couple of new jerseys that arrived. So hopefully by Thursday's show, I can get off my duff here and get a few more jerseys hung up. And I know a few of you have been waiting to see yours in the backdrop, and we will work on getting that done as soon as we can. Uh, what, the NCAA tournament, not too shabby, right? Lots of good stuff that happened in the tournament on the men's and women's side. Plenty of upsets, plenty of buzzer beaters, beaters plenty of comebacks. You name it. We'll just go via how the bracket displays. And we start with Case Western Reserve on the men's side. Uh, not only an awesome game with Dubuque, where the two Spartan squads battled all the way to overtime, but Case Western came from behind and got three blocks in one offensive sequence for Dubuque, came down on the off other offensive side, time running down, less than 20 on the game clock, Shot clock down to about five. Bad, I don't want to say bad shot, just not a great shot from the elbow. And a miraculous diving um, offensive rebound. Kick out to the original shooter. Nails a three. That was with a tide. That causes them to get up by three. Then, using the Bill, uh, the, the Bill Fenlon rule, they're winning by three by with five seconds on the clock. Foul immediately. Dubuque's got to go to the line to shoot, and that's all there is there. Uh, they weren't able to hold to, to be able to, to win it from that point. Then <laughs> against Oshkosh, they come from behind in the final minute of that game, down a bunch. And again, great defense, great offense, offensive rebounds, you name it. They end up pulling off the victory and upsetting the defending national champs of 2019. And win that one on the road. So congratulations to Case Western. They'll take on Mary Harden Baylor, who had had come from behind themselves this this uh, this weekend. They had a big come from behind against Chapman, nineteen to one run to punch your ticket to the second round. Trinity had absolutely smoked uh, Whitworth, seventy seven fifty two, but then got beat ninety six eighty two. Interesting twist there. Trinity's head coach, if you don't know, Mary Harden Baylor alum. I think may have been up for the job that Cliff Carroll got. I don't know all the particulars of that. I keep getting the story kind of confused in my head. Nonetheless, uh, those two teams facing off was pretty interesting. And Mary Harden Baylor punched its tickets. Calvin with a big win over St. John, 77-71, and then beat Platteville at Platteville, 76-64 to advance. Elmhurst had big games, got a, got a dominating win over Washington and Jefferson, 95-70. Then came... Uh, a battle with Pomona Pitzer that, honestly, I thought Pomona Pitzer might pull off as Pitzer once again with a great win and held on against Northwestern. But Elmer's ends up punching the ticket at home. All four of those teams had to case Western Reserve because in a twist, Calvin didn't put into host from what I'm told. Elmer's didn't put into host. I have a feeling they had conflicts. Maybe even Calvin did as well. Mary Harm Baylor is traveling, so all the games go to case Western. I don't know this for sure. We talked to Bill Saul coming up, Bill Sale coming up, and we'll talk... Uh, to others at some point in time. And Elmer's uh, coach is well coming up. 
I didn't ask Bill this mainly because I forgot to, but I'm pretty sure Calvin and Elmer's probably have other events going on in their gym and can't, it's not prudent to host the tournament, to be blunt. Uh, lower left-hand corner, Wamash gets through. First off, uh, get past Barry, 91-79, what ended up being a good game till late. Then Wamash pulls off the upset of Emery. Emery had multiple looks with the last couple of seconds in the, in the second half, including a slam dunk that was missed on a putback. Remember, Emery, two years ago, lost at a last-second shot. This time they lost because they couldn't put it in. And Wabash gets the win, 87-86. They'll move on against Williams. Uh, Stevens got past Mount Union, which surprised everybody by 10. Williams got past Newman rather easily and then got past Stevens by 10. Williams kind of the quiet one in this group in terms of their, their, res their results. Illinois Wesson got past Franklin easily, no surprise. And then defeated Lacrosse, who had gotten past Heidelberg in a low-scoring affair, 67-56. All the Wyacks knocked out on the men's side. Wash U got past Cornell, but could not get past Wheaton. Wheaton comes from behind late in the second half, holds on to win 63-61. After, by the way, a barn burner of a game against Hope in the first round, which they won 70-69. So Wheaton still plays. Wabash Williams, Illinois Wesleyan, and Wheaton... All the W's, if you don't count the Illinois part, they'll be playing at the Illinois part, Illinois Wesleyan, for that tournament. Upper right, Marietta got past Madai easily, but then had a battle against Rochester, as I thought they would, and they end up winning 88-83. They'll take on Oswego, which is kind of an interesting twist. Oswego was in the was at Marietta a couple years back. Was it 2017, I think, that they got to the Sweet 16 last time? Uh, this time they'll face Marietta. They didn't face them last time, if memory serves. Um, but anyway, Keene State pulls off the upset of Swarthmore, which Ryan Scott predicted, though they didn't have their one of their key players for that. Win 84-83, hold on to win against Swarthmore. Oswego gets past uh, Hood. It was a good game, actually. Hood really battled that one. Oswego was down by, I want to say, nine at one point in the first half and came back to win that one and then easily handled Keene State. Actually kind of surprised by the score, 84-63. Christopher Newport got past Baruch rather easily. Susquehanna... Got past Rowan surprisingly by 10. I actually thought Rowan would win that one, and I've known Susquehanna pretty well, but I thought Rowan had the firepower there. And then Christopher Newport got past Susquehanna. Stockton with a, a win over Wilson, but of course the game that started it all off was Yeshiva and Hopkins, and that was an interesting game. Uh, came down to the very end. Yeshiva just couldn't pull it off. They played from behind much of the second half. Uh, Hopkins was in control of much of that game. They did not let Yeshiva do what they wanted to do, and Yeshiva looked gassed. Absolutely gassed for a 63-59 game. Shocking. And then Hopkins, in my opinion, came out and looked like they were stuck in cement uh, against Stockton. And a big deficit in the first half came back from that deficit, tied it late in the second half, but could not hold on, probably gassed themselves as Stockton moves on. So Stockton, Christopher Newport, Oswego State, and Marietta head to Marietta. And in the lower right-hand corner, Randolph-Macon, they get past Mitchell rather easily, no surprise, 99-57. Um, Babson got past DeSales and then Randolph-Macon got past Babson. In the other side of that, Nazareth got past Westfield State and Mass Dartmouth was 19 down to Emerson in the first half. We're down seven in the final minute and come back to win. Unbelievable. Mass Dartmouth then got past Nazareth 78-68 and it'll be Randolph-Macon versus Mass Dartmouth. That should be a doozy on Friday night. 
RPI gets out of an interesting pod. Wesleyan can't get past RPI. That one, 59-58, the Cardinals lose. And RPI will take on w, or WPI as the PIs will take on each other. Uh, interesting enough, Penn State-Harrisburg with yet another first-round upset of a, of a top-25 team. They took out St. Joseph's but then could not handle RP, uh, WPI. If I'm not mistaken, Harrisburg beat WPI two years ago in the first round. Uh, engineers were ready this time, beat them by 20. So Randolph-Macon, Mass Dartmouth, RPI, and WPI will play at Randolph-Macon. That's on the men's side. Quickly on the women's side as I'm running out of time. Christopher Newport um, easily passed Mitchell. Johns Hopkins gets upset by Mount St. Mary uh, in a game that Hopkins led much of but could not pull away. Mount St. Mary ends up winning and avoids a buzzer beater. Christopher Newport then all over Mount St. Mary, 107-52. Harden-Simmons and Trinity. It turned out Trinity. Texas got the win there. Whitman versus Whittier. Whitman got the win. No surprise there. And then Trinity held Whitman to 39 points as Trinity won 52-39. They'll take on Christopher Newport in a dandy of a game. That's that Trinity squad that Ryan Scott and others saw could get to could could be the surprise. Uh, Tufts got past Clark Summit easily, no surprise there. DeSales got past Cortland, that was a big win. But then Tufts, uh, in a low-scoring fair, no surprise, got past DeSales 58-47. St. John Fisher got the big win over Ron- Rhode Island College. Amherst got past SUNY IT easily. And then Amherst got past St. John Fisher. So Christopher Newport, Trinity, Tufts, and Amherst get through. That will be played at Amherst because Tufts is 619 miles from Christopher Newport. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Uh, in the meantime, Smith passed Farmington State. Brooklyn passed Emmanuel in a bit of a surprise, but Smith gets past Brooklyn. DePaul uh, cannot get past Illinois Wesleyan. Great win by Illinois Wesleyan, 56-55. Whitewater got past Ripon. Easily 58-34, but then Whitewater handles Illinois Wesleyan 72-54. So it'll be Smith versus Whitewater in a great matchup in the round of 16. Then you got Gettysburg, who had to come from behind against Morrisville State. They did not look good. Morrisville State put 20-plus up in the first quarter. Gettysburg only put up 12. It got to, what, 34-28, I want to say, at halftime, or 32-28, something like that at halftime. And then I don't know what Nate Davis said at halftime. Because Gettysburg opened up a can, went on a 14-0 run, scored more in the third quarter than they had the entire first half combined, held Morrisville to 14 second half st- second half points, if I have that right, and absolutely blew the doors off of Morrisville State. That final was, and I just lost the score because I had it, 77-44. It just, if you looked at the final, you thought that game wasn't a game. It was a game for until halftime. Maldon Wallace had a, an interesting game against Salisbury. It was 15-15 after five minutes. And then they held Salisbury basically on the ropes until late third quarter when Salisbury finally woke up and made it close, 66-54. But that game was well in hand for much of it. Uh, and then Baldwin Wallace got past Gettysburg. Not surprised. Interesting enough, same score they beat Salisbury by, 66-54. Gettysburg, just they just didn't have the firepower, I thought, against that Baldwin Wallace squad. Oshkosh got past Wisconsin Lutheran in the Battle of the Wisconsins and a low-scoring affair, 48-42. Simpson and Gustavus Adolphus played, and Simpson got past that. And then that game got delayed by tornadoes, unfortunately deadly tornadoes. That game got delayed. Oshkosh ended up winning at 64-56. We'll talk to Brad Fisher about all that coming up. Hope, by the way, in the upper right got past LaRoche easily. 
Uh, Marietta got past Wittenberg somewhat easily, and then Hope got easily past Marietta as Hope continues to roll along. Milliken got past Wartburg and a really big win for Milliken. Eau Claire got past North Central, uh, both lows, just not close games. And then Milliken in a dandy of a game against Eau Claire wins 59-56. So it'll be Hope versus Milliken. That'll be a great game. NYU got past Washington and Lee by 10. Bates went overtime thanks to a buzzer beater win, uh, shot to tie it against Roger Williams, then won it in overtime, uh, held on 66-64, and then got trounced by NYU, unfortunately, 76-54. Scranton got, uh, see, Babson got past New Paltz. Scranton got past New Jersey City rather easily, and then Scranton got past uh, Babson. So it'll be NYU versus Scranton, Hope versus Milliken, all those games at Hope, because both NYU and Scranton have to fly, um, or anybody. So there were going to be two flights, no matter how, or, or no matter how that bracket worked out. Ithaca got past Catholic, uh, not as easily as as maybe some thought. I, it was. I also thought Catholic might have played it tighter. Springfield got past Messiah in a bit of a surprise, though. Springfield's good. Messiah just wasn't able to pull it off. Lost 76, uh, 73, 68. Springfield then in overtime got past Ithaca thanks to a dandy of a shot to win it. Uh, they won 73-71. That was a heck of, an, of a reaction. John Carroll passed Elizabethtown and just just destroyed them. Uh, Elizabethtown, a team I really thought well of this year, lost 156. Uh, Maculata could not keep up with Trines. It was Trine versus John Carroll, and Trine, no surprise, won that 63-42. Mary Harden Baylor got past Webster, but it was close. Webster actually had the lead till a couple minutes left. Marion Baylor, like the men did, went on a heck of a run to take the lead and hold on to win. East Texas Baptist got past the host Rhodes by 12, and then Mary Harden Baylor easily handled East Texas Baptist. Southern Virginia, big win over Shenandoah, really impressed there, 67-48. Transylvania got past Washington and Jefferson as both W&J teams lost in the first round, but then Transylvania handled Southern Virginia. So Springfield, Trine, Mary Harden Baylor, and Transylvania will all play at Transylvania. There you go. Now you're probably wondering about what I think about hosting. Well, I'm out of time now, but we will talk about that on this show because I think there's some interesting questions to be had and something I honestly missed early on that I should have picked up on earlier as well. So there you go. Ran through it. I know you probably have some questions. We'll try and get to them. Thank you. Oswego lost to Marietta in the Sweet 16 in 2019. Thank you. But Oswego was at Marietta for a tournament, Travis, um, and Marietta lost in the first round. Oswego played in basically an empty gym in the second round, won the game, and Oswego played home um, where Christopher Newport traveled to him. That's the year Christopher Newport made the Final Four. That's the year I'm thinking of. That wasn't 2019. That was a little further back. That's why I say I want to say 2017, maybe 2016. Um, I'm sure you got questions. We will try and get to them at some point in time uh, as well, and we will certainly talk about hosting a little bit later. But we got to get going because up ahead, we got Smith women's basketball coach Lynn Hersey will join us. Elmer's men's basketball coach John Baines will be on the show. We'll also talk to Oshkosh women's basketball coach Brad Fisher uh, from uh, WPI, Worcester Poly Tech. We'll talk to graduate student Colin McNamara. Then from Marion Baylor, we'll talk to both coaches, Cliff Carroll and Mark Moorefield, about their teams. And then Calvin's men's basketball coach, Bill Sale, will join us. That's all here ahead on the show. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. I want to thank our partners at the NABC, WBCA, Blue Frame Technology. And if you want to be part of it, you can too. By the way, also stick to the show. We got a way you can get involved with the show or maybe get some memorabilia from the show while helping us out as well. We got T-shirts to talk about. Coming up on the show, you listen to Hoop Show. Back with more after this. 
These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue on this Monday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also get a hold of us in other many, many ways. Uh, that's how... Uh, Matt Snyder reminded it's Saul, as in ball. Yeah, yeah, I do know it's Bill Saul. For whatever reason, I just spelled it wrong in my head and wrote it down wrong and thus said it wrong. Um, so, obviously, one of the uh, interesting things is we're now at that point where we were two years ago, where we have the Sweet 16. Now, granted, two years ago, we were talking about the what-ifs. Team, you know, gyms getting closed, whether fans could be in attendance and all of that stuff. And then at about this point, we started wondering... Could a tournament actually continue on while hoping for the best? I think we're pretty confident the tournament's going to go on, and some of these teams are going to be able to continue the path that they started in 2020. One of those would be the Smith Pioneers. The women's basketball team is on to the Sweet 16 yet again, playing good basketball, as we mentioned just a short time ago, getting wins in the first two rounds, and they'll have an interesting matchup against Wisconsin Whitewater. Not something we see early on, but we'll see it on Friday at Whitewater, by the way. Joining us on the Blue Frank Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is Lynn Hersey, the head coach of the aforementioned 16th-ranked Smith Pioneers. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations on the season that has been getting to the Sweet 16, et cetera, and thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to be here, and, you know, I just want to say we appreciate all that you do for, for women's basketball, and, um, you know, really happy to be talking to you. It means we're still playing, so right. news for us. At this point, it's a good sign. It means you're still playing. That's yeah. not a bad thing. I, I can appreciate that. Um, first off, we'll get we'll get to what happened uh, this weekend and all that, and obviously what's ahead of you. But quickly on the season, 
you guys have seemingly had a quiet year. Like, I think everyone saw you there. Everyone saw good results. You were playing well. You avoided some bad losses. Bowden got you 69-52, and Tufts got you. I mean, not surprisingly uh, results necessarily. But even in the new Mac, you absolutely dominated that conference. It, it felt like for dominating a conference, you weren't making headlines. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think um... – you know, perhaps we're a little under the radar, um, but yes, it's sort of one of the things that we've sort of adapted um, or adopted as a team. And, you know, that's, that's been something that's been fun for us to uh, within our, within our own sort of circle to be, you know, using as part of the sort of push here. Um, I mean, we have a, we had a great team, went to the sweet 16 last year and we returned everybody and, you know, our, our goals, our aspirations are pretty high. Um, we played a really tough schedule this year. Our SOS was really high. We played a lot of regionally ranked opponents um, and we're battle tested. And, you know, that was the plan when you're returning a group that went to the Sweet 16. And, you know, luckily for us, um, a lot of sort of hard work and dedication from, from our crew, you know, we, we were able to, I think, put a lot of the pieces of the puzzle together, especially late in the season and, you know, make a good push in New Mac and, continue that on and, um, you know, the postseason play. So, um, yeah, that's, that's yeah, where 26, we are. 26 and four, two years ago in 1920, when everything got pulled up, that was the first time the program had gotten that far in the tournament. You were scheduled to play Messiah when everything got pulled up this time, just two losses. And again, it was Bowden as Tufts, as you mentioned, but at the same time, you also played other tough teams and maybe stronger, but I'm, I'm curious how did you retain everybody from that team two years ago, considering Smith Smith's not, you know, the cheapest yeah. institution to be attending? Yeah. You know, I think it speaks a lot to their dedication, you know, and, and commitment to our program. Um, I also think once you start to get the feel for something, you know, and 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 you kind of get the um the taste of something special, uh, you know, with the way it ended two years ago. I mean, obviously that was, that was challenging. And, you know, I, I, um, I really applaud our crew for wanting to stick together and um, get another chance, you know, and, and, you know, be able to find ourselves back in the same situation, which we currently are. Um, And there's a lot of sacrifices that went into that. I mean, a lot. Um, So, you know, it's, it's very rewarding to be able to find ourselves back in this position and, um, you know, we plan to take full advantage of the opportunity, you know, and that's, that's something that, you know, I, I think we're pretty grounded with and um, it's helping us to focus and prepare this week. And, you know, we're, we're locked in. Something too, is you're probably still getting used to this different conference schedule per se. It was two years ago, you started playing this kind of um, more reduced conference schedule. You only played 10 games in conference this year, you played nine games in conference that allowed you to go out there and kind of dabble a little bit with that schedule a little bit. You know, again, we mentioned the two two losses, but you also have a win over Trinity. You played Williams and beat them. You have some other wins. How important was that in in helping this team get better too? Yeah, I think I think you really brought up a, a good point there. I mean, being able to have the flexibility to go out and create your non conference schedule and and you know find teams that are going to challenge you. I mean, we were able to bring in Rowan who is ranked in their region. Um, 
play New Paul's in our holiday tournament. You know, they were ranked in their region. It, it, it's, it's, you know, playing the teams within your conference that are in your region. And then there's, you know, I think we played five or six NESCACs. So, you know, ultimately I, I find scheduling to be a craft and one that yet, you, you know, hopefully you're paying attention to and, and doing a nice job trying to, you know, track teams that, you know, will challenge you and prepare you and also aid in that, you know, SOS and help you get regionally ranked wins as much as you can. So, I mean, I think this schedule allowed us to, to, you know, feel like we were, we're getting enough of all of those elements to be, um, you know, considered a top team in our region. And, you know, it, it does take playing the right teams and winning. Right. Um, so, you know, I think the Tufts game for us was a good measure of where we were at that time. And um, obviously, um, you know, we fell a little short, but we were, we were with them for the, you know, the game there and, and, that was good for us. You know, that was to me a, a game that we needed to play at their place. And, um, you know, ultimately I think that, that, you know, was, was a, a game that helped us propel through new max as well. Um, and be able to perform, um, against Babson Springfield, two teams are in the NCAA tournament, got to the round of 32, you know, Springfield's also in the sweet 16. So clearly our conference is, um, you know, pretty tough from the top, top, grouping of teams. And um, I think all of that has prepared us. Yeah. Again, as you point out, win over Springfield too, uh, that certainly helped the resume as it were um, and, and help position yourselves and doing well this weekend got past um, uh, Farmington state 61 51 and Brooklyn 60, 76, 56, Apologize. First round. Is that always a little closer because of the jitters or, or kind of the understanding that, there's, there's a little more pressure on things. You know, it's it's a good question. I mean, I think those teams, um, you know, when you're when you're playing one and done, obviously, you know, there's a urgency for everybody. And um, I thought, you know, Framingham, Brooklyn, you know, brought really good, um, you know, their their A game to play us. Yeah. And um, you know, that's the way it should be in the NCAA tournament. And you know, we were playing at home and it had a great crowd and a great environment and. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, it took some, some runs to be able to beat them. I think it was, you know, a good first round showing for us. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to the, to the next pod that we're in and heading to Wisconsin and, uh, you know, facing some, some different teams, you know, some teams that have different styles of play, different strengths, um, and, you know, seeing what our style play, how that's going to match up, you know, and, and so we've, you know, I think. I think it will be a fun weekend out in Wisconsin as well. Yeah, interesting enough, you, you talked about strengthening your schedule and, and bulking it up, which you did, but it was mainly against New England and kind of super regional area for lack of – I saw Vassar yeah. on there, for example. Yeah, you're heading all the way to Wisconsin. Uh, you're going to be taking on Wisconsin, and should you win, you're going to either face Baldwin-Wallace or Oshkosh. These are two or three very unknown programs to you guys in the general sense. How do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for programs you've never seen before? Yeah, well, we get to work. Um, yeah. To work. In a short period of time, we have to learn very quickly um, about three different opponents and, you know, and, and really try to strategize as much as we can and, and uh, be great teachers and communicators to our players um, and the things we're, we're going to ask them to do. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, you know, we, we work really hard in preparation. I mean, that's, that's sort of our motto here. We prepare really hard. Um, 
and we try to do the best we can. Everybody's got to put forth their best, whether it's coaches, players in these days leading up to the game. Um, that's where we feel like we can win games. And so ultimately, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot of time, a lot of hours, a lot of work, but you're playing in a sweet 16. Like, you know, this is, this is time you got to bring out your best. So how do you do it? You just, you know, you grind and you, you get through it and you figure out the things you need to figure out and you put your game plan together and you, you teach it. Um, and hopefully you're teaching it well. I know it's nuance here, but instead of a bus drive to Baldwin Wallace, cause they didn't put their paperwork in or didn't choose to host or whatever the case may be, you're flying to whitewater to some degree that might be easier. Yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately uh, I would say that we're, we're ready to play wherever. So, you know, um, whether we're flying to Wisconsin or driving somewhere else, or I mean, I, I you know, I think you control the controllables uh, where we're going to play is not in our control, but how we prepare, how uh, motivated and locked in we are, you know, our confidence level, um, you know, how we're shooting the ball, right? All the little details. I mean, those are the things that we can control. So uh, we we really try to focus on those. And we have a great um, support system here. You know, obviously we're flying, but, you know, the details, all our support here is really helping us with that so we can really stay locked in on the things we need to do as coaches. Tell me a little bit about this team. You got three players in double figures, but they're all low scoring double figures. They're all they're all kind of close to 10, 11 points. Uh, Caitlin uh, Punk. Pekunka? Yeah, oh, Got yeah. it right. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Right. I'm going to go win. Yeah, the, I'm going to yeah. go get a lottery ticket. Uh, Jesse <laughs> Ruffner and Morgan Morrison, 11 and a half, 11 points, 10 and a half, uh, respectively, from the three of them. Uh, also, all three of them, uh, you're one of your pretty much your top three in rebounding on, on top of that as well. Obviously, it starts with those three. I know there's more than that, but give me a sense of those three and then, and then how the rest of the team kind of feeds off of them. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Caitlin is has been a just a real competitor on the court for us. Um, you know, she's a, she's a really good, crafty, um, you know, post player for us. She can score face up. She can score on the block. She's a nice mid range shot. Um, she's a competitor. I mean, she's one of the most competitive athletes I've ever coached. Um, so there isn't a assignment that uh, you know is too big for her in a moment. That's too big for her. I mean, she wants the ball in her hands. Um, she can, she can help us make some big runs, um, you know, when she's getting some good looks and, um, you know, I, I think her, just her mindset is, is a, you know, our team sort of follows that competitive nature and fire that she has. Um, Morgan Morrison is, you know, been a, just a really steady offensive weapon for us. She can get a lot of boards, good size, very athletic, very mobile, um, great, great in the blocks, um, you know, someone who can, again, our interior game, like someone who can really handle one-on-one matchups um, has, has, you know, required double teams, triple teams throughout the year, really. um, And that's been really good for us because we have a good outside shooting group. So um, the balance between getting Caitlin and uh, Morgan touches really, you know, gives us a lot of offense on the perimeter as well. So that, you know, that tandem has been really good for us. And then Jesse Ruffner is, you know, a, a scoring guard for us. Really great getting to the rim, physical, strong. Uh, has a nice mid-range, um, shoot the three, really a three-way scorer. We util- utilize her a lot in a lot of different, you know, some of our sets, some of our matchups that we like when we are facing other opponents. Like we'll, we'll 
make sure she's getting quite a few touches. She's good in transition. Um, she's also just, you know, a baller. I mean, the kid just, you know, get her the ball and she's going to make things happen. Um, and she's not afraid of big moments. And so, you know, those three just, you know, they, they have the, the mindset and the skill. And, um, you know, I think that's probably why they're on the, the top of the stat sheet. But um, ultimately, I think our balance and our ability to have different people step up in different games is what makes us a 25-2 and two team. Yeah, to that point, I mean, those three are great, but none of them are really a three-point threat. Ruffner is not even in the top three in, t- in three-pointers made, or I should say three-pointers taken. I don't think she's in the top three for three-pointers made either. Uh, Amelia Claremont and Ali y- uh, Yamada are your top outside shooters. Um, and then Michelle Glessner also shoots from outside. She's also your leading assist. So you've got another three. We didn't even d- go in depth there. Yeah on top of those three really makes for a balance. And really when you go up against a whitewater or anybody else, you want that balance, right? Yeah, that's going to be key. I mean, obviously I think anybody you're going up against in, in this round of the tournament, I mean, every team is, is really good that you're facing. So, you know, you, I, I, I believe, I think the balance is what makes you hard to guard, you know, and I think when we're facing a team that has a, you know, one or two kids that could really, you know, um, are, are very talented, but the rest of the team are just, you know, sort of role players that have their niche. Um, you know, the, that game plan is is a little bit easier than necessarily, you know, guarding six or seven deep and really knowing that any of those six or seven can get hot and can can help, a, you know, help us go on a big run or, um, you know, can make big plays at big, big moments. So um, I think our depth is a real, you know, it's a real factor for us. And we're going to continue to utilize it as much as we can. And our your team really has bought into sharing the ball and um, celebrating each other and not caring who gets the credit. Um, I think Kate, you know, Caitlin on a different team would be scoring 20, 24 points a game. Um, but in our, our program, you know, she's uh, she's willing to pass the ball. She's willing to under, you know, she understands that our guards are good. They're going to get good shots. And we just try to play out of the strategy of what the opponent is playing us in and, you know, try to get the best shots we can. I've probably asked you this before and I'll admit I've, I've forgotten what might be the answer, but is there an element of carrying the flag for single sex women's colleges to some degree? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yeah. you no, know, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think we believe that, you know, being at Smith is an experience that's elite for women. You know, we, we, we have everything here is for us only. And, um, you know, we, we treat our women, just like that. Um, and of course you've got to, you know, you've got to do your part to earn, earn it all as well. And, you know, and, and they do that, you know, they, they show up, they perform, they win consistently year after year. And, um, you know, it's also the birthplace of women's basketball. So, you know, we have a a level of pride in terms of, of that as well. And, and trying to be a, you know, a really, um, you know, a national name and, you know, be competitive on the national stage. I mean, I think that's a full circle, you know, situation for us. And um, our, our players have a lot of pride in that as well. Well, congratulations. You should be proudful. Two years in a row, two tournaments in a row, making it to the Sweet 16. That's not easy. Uh, just those two first games are tough enough. But obviously the flight to Whitewater will be interesting, but we're looking forward to seeing how you perform out there. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately I just love to thank our, our Smith uh, Nation out there. Um, like I said, it's been a fun ride this year, really come out 
um, to support our, our women. And, you know, ultimately uh, we're, we're going to go to Wisconsin. We'll know you'll be with us, um, but we're going to try to bring home two W's and, and we'll see you all at the final four. So that will be, uh, that's kind of the deal I'm making with them. Yeah. You're going to have to maybe beat a few W's to get a W's. That's yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably going to happen. Huh? Yeah, it kind of works out nicely, doesn't it? Very sim- sim- symbolic. I, I kind of like it. I dig it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go copyright that while we're on. Yeah, you got I think that one. You got to write that one. Down. Yeah, that was good. Got to get a. Got to beat a couple W's to get a couple W's. Well, congratulations, nonetheless. <laughs> uh, have fun, and we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. And thanks for the time. Same to you. Appreciate all you do. Um, so thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Talk to you soon. You too. Lynn Hersey joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they'll take on Whitewater. That game's scheduled 8.30 Eastern time coming up on Friday. The other game, obviously, is uh, Oshkosh and uh, Baldwin-Wallace. We'll talk to Oshkosh coach coming up as well. We've got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more hoops. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3 Hoops. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue along, if you've got questions for us, again, email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us on Twitter at d3hoops or hashtag hoopsville. 
You can join us on Facebook where we're live simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash hoopsle. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. We'll certainly try and answer your questions or thoughts. We'll talk about the bracket as a whole coming up um, because there are some interesting decisions. You 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 heard Lynn Hersey uh, mention something there um, earlier. We talked about BW, or I should have said I mentioned BW, not hosting. We'll talk about that. One of the other teams not hosting, I think, caught a few people by surprise. Maybe made some assumptions and weren't there was Elmhurst. Uh, they're going to be playing in the men's basketball tournament, unfortunately, just not at home. They'll head out to Case Western Reserve for their game. Of course, they've got a big game against Calvin coming up as Calvin uh, continues the, the kind of the western side of their region versus the, the CCIW because, you know, Hope played Wheaton. Um, but Calvin's still dancing, but so is Elmhurst as Elmhurst has survived where many others have not been able to. So join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk about all that fun stuff. Uh, and somehow we'll figure out why the graphic changed, but it's going to look pretty anyway when I fix it. But join us there anyway is uh, John Baines, the head coach of the Elmhurst squad. And coach, first and foremost, congratulations on uh, getting this far. You got to be thrilled with the fact that you guys, first off, took advantage of home court, but second off, were able to get the victory and, and move on. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, that home court was huge for us. Um, uh, that being down fourteen to Pomona at halftime and and making that big run, um, the place was really electric. And uh, I felt fortunate we got out of there with that one. But it was a great second half for us. But uh, thank you. Yeah, I, it, there's so much to talk about that, about what you guys did in this game. First off, I almost want to go back because it, it feels a little bit like the CCIW was kind of the reason. You guys were ready for this. You guys had some battles this season in conference and out of conference. And there were times where I, I kind of felt like, well, maybe maybe the gig is up, that you guys have finally hit a wall. And then you come storming back against another opponent. You get a big win here, a big win there. How much did this season prepare you for the tournament? Um, you know, the, the league always does. I mean, we always play that that schedule. So I, I don't think that that's unusual. You know, the the thing you, you always look at the end of the year and you look at these records and and you just make this assumption that everything's the same. You know, we had a period right after Christmas, um, after the new year, uh, we got shut down for five days with COVID. We had 14 guys on our team uh, get it. And uh, so that when we shut down and then we had another five days after that. And what ended up happening is we had three games a week for three straight weeks. And uh, playing Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, um, it was just, uh, it, it, you know, and when I say that, it was, um, I believe if I if look back on it, it was at Wesleyan, at Wheaton, at Augie, at North Central, and then Wesleyan at home. And uh, so we had a little stretch there where we, we uh, you know, we kicked the tires a little bit. And um, if you look at it, I'm like, man, we had, we had four losses in that little stretch right there. And then I think we caught our breath. And I think we were 12 and five at the time. And, um, and then we've just gotten on a roll. You guys are playing well. Well, you also had, I'm reading between the lines because you didn't, you went from January, or I'm sorry, December 30th to January 17th with no games, which is quite right. r r rare. So that's probably the COVID protocols in place. So not only did you have that break that you weren't expecting it, you have COVID protocols that probably wore out some of the guys. So you lose three out of four. And as you said, at Illinois Wesleyan, at Augustana, which was a win, at Wheaton, at North Central. So you're you're coming out of COVID. You're tight. Games are tight. Everybody else may have been playing when you hadn't been. There's a lot going into that that kind of didn't go in your favor. 
Yeah, and you know, the, there's, you know, I, I think other coaches and other leagues get tired of us talking about how our league and and how competitive it is. And um, but you know, there were those were tight games. Those yeah. are not. Um, it doesn't take much to lose a game by three in our league. It really doesn't. And you can play a good game. And so um, we got a really veteran group. And I think, um, you know, a lot of these guys, I have some six-year seniors, you know, so some guys that have come back and there was certainly no let's throw in the towel because, you know, that's why you, you came back is to get one more run at it. And so um, credit to our, our guys, they, they got it together. You guys are now won 12 of the last 13, the only loss being won on February 16th to Milliken. Won the conference title, obviously, at the Shirk Center in Blooming and uh, Bloomington, which is probably feels a little good, even though you didn't play Illinois Wesleyan. North Central did the honors for you on that one. Uh, and then you handled them, and then you handled Washington Jefferson. You guys have been playing well. The Pomona-Pitzer game, we'll talk about it in a minute. What What is it about your team that when you're playing well, is working so well like what's what's the key to the cog as it were well um this is an unusual team for for me you know i uh i'm used to we've we've always had physical teams and that rebounded and and um you know it's just kind of been our style uh we got into this season and to be i think we were about halfway through and we were actually i think fifth or sixth in the league in rebounding Uh, however we were first in the league in steals which is really unusual for our teams. Um, you know, I, I think we've always been kind of a more conservative defensive team and don't gamble and keep your guy in front of you. Um, but our personnel dictated that we've got a lot of athletic guys, their hands are good. And um, we kind of just said, well, well, let's run with it. Let's get a little bit more aggressive defensively. And then what's happened, I think, is our defense is really got us into transition, but then our rebounding is also picked up. And I think I looked at the, the stats at the end of the year and we were um, leading the CCIW in rebounding. So, um, so when our rebounding is picked up and our defensive pressure is gone, and I think anybody that's played us knows that when we get out in transition, um, we're one of the best around whenever we can get out there. Looking at the squad, you talk about the, the, the um, leadership on it. It starts with Jake Road. Uh, you've got 17 and a half points from him, four rebounds a game on average, but then he's also your leading assist guy. So it's one of those rare occasions where the guy who's handing out the ball the most is also the one who's scoring the most. That's an interesting balancing act. Yeah. He, you know, this year he has actually broken the record. He is the all time scoring leader uh, in Elmhurst history and also the all time assist leader in Elmhurst history, which again, that's a huge, um, you know, as we were talking to him, uh, over the summer, I had to do some recruiting, you know, you're like, Hey, do you want to come back for one more go at this? And I said, if, if we're, if you, we put together some of the best teams in Elmer's history and you're the leading scorer and you're the leading assist guy, you're the goat. And uh, so that brought him back, I think, but uh, um, no, he, you know, I would tell you, he can average 20. He has averaged 20 and two years ago he did. Um, I think our supporting cast is a lot stronger. Uh, I think we've got a lot of talent down the roster and, I think um, I think he realizes it, and uh, you know he shot a good percentage, and I think he's feeding off a lot of our guys. You know, we I, I hate to drag the question on, but you know we won the first game uh, in the tournament, and Ocean Johnson had 22 points, and West Circuit had 20, and and then the next night Jake has a great night. Don Jenko has 14, Levon has 15, and we just have a lot of guys who can score, and I think he's 
he's uh, distributed a little bit better. Well, to that point, you've got two others in double figures, Levon and Wesley. You've got two more that I would consider in double figures, Ocean and Dominic, because it's 9.8 and 9.4, respectively, meaning they've got a lot of double figure nights in, in the bag. And then 8.8 for Jay uh, Militello. So he's right in that conversation too. So yeah, you've got a lot of other options there that Jake can use if he's not scoring or doesn't, or if he's double teamed or whatever the case may be. You've got other weapons to go to. Yeah, and this is really unbelievable if you think about it. Jay Milita- last year Jake Rohde sat out with the COVID year and he'd gotten hurt, um, but Jay Militello was a unanimous first team All CCIW player, um, was our leading scorer, and Dom Jinka was a second team All League point guard and now he's coming off the bench for us um, I think that just really speaks to the depth of of the roster let's talk about the fact you're playing in the second weekend after a really tough game against Pomona Pitzer you came from 17 down in that game at halftime you were down 40 to 26 second half you beat them 50 to 30 I was talking about the women's game I was at Gettysburg, and I, I was very curious what Nate Davis said to his team because they were down the first round of Morrisville State and didn't look good. Went on a 14-0 run and absolutely handled them in the second half, worse than what you guys did with the promoter. So I'm curious, what did you say at halftime? Um, well, God's honest truth, I, I didn't yell at them at all. I, I, I Sometimes I tell stories, and the guys, you know, they, they yawn. But I, I said – um, I don't, and when I say this, I don't usually like to tell stories about myself, but I, I did go back and I said, um, in 97, when I was playing at Wesleyan, I said, we won the national championship. You guys know this. Um, we were down at home in the second round to Rose Holman um, in that game. And that's the game Brian Crabtree hit the shot over the backboard. And I said, um, I said, you know, to this day, that's our story game. You know, that's how we won that one. And that propelled us. And I said, every team, you guys all know, every team that's in the in the tournament has that story game. And I said, this is going to be our story game. And um, and I know that that's real easy to say after the fact. You're like, no, he didn't say that. But but I did. I, I felt like, you know, you, you do have those. And I think our guys, I knew they were ready. I knew we played a poor first half. Pomona played a great first half. Uh, they, Pomona was shooting around with about a minute and 10 seconds left, you know, in warmups and our five starters were already at half court ready to roll. And so I think they had a little bit of a, let's get this together and we're at home and we're, we need to put a run together. So, um, when you have old guys, um, that, that trust each other, I think that happens. Interesting. Of course, this was the game that was supposed to happen in 2020, mm-hmm. So, you know, it was an interesting opportunity to see these two teams take to the floor. Granted, it was supposed to be around later. Did you have any feelings that it wasn't going to go your way? I mean, your team starts one for 13 from beyond the arc. You're down by 17 points. It's not un- unheard of to come back. We've seen it happen, obviously. But, you know, Pomona Pitzer wasn't any slouch of a team. No, um, they played really well. I have to give Charlie Cat a lot of credit. Um you know, whenever we talk about two years ago, we're supposed to have those these two teams go against each other. I have a lot of those guys back. He only has two of them. Right. Um, he, he's got some really good freshmen. I I uh, texted Russell White at Cal Lutheran, and I said, um, you're going to have your hands full for a couple of years because they got some players. But, uh, um, no, I – it was, it was a little bit, it was, it was nice that the committee kind of made a nod to that because I feel like 
what's happened over the last two years has really been hard for a lot of players and coaches. And I felt like that tied the bow on that and said, okay, Hey, maybe we're back to where we need to be where we can play in front of a lot of people and have these great games. And um, I, I was, I was really proud of our guys. I know that's coach talk, but um, boy, that we played our butts off and, um, and we had a great bench and, um, and they did, they did it. We scored 50 points in the half. Um, they just came out and went at it. Yeah, you basically scored twice as much as you did in the first half. Pretty impressive. You'll now take on Calvin in the next round. Uh, we'll start with the obvious. How do you guard uh, Luke Morrison? Do you, do you have any ideas? No, no, I don't. I don't. I, I'm glad it's Monday and it's not <laughs> Friday because uh, he's a really dynamic scorer. And uh, we played them before. We played yep. them at their place, and, and he – um, we didn't guard him that night either. So it's, uh, <laughs> we got to figure something out. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have a story for the guys on this one. They, I think we just might have to put in a good effort, and, uh, <laughs> but he is good. And, and that team is good. They can really shoot it. Um, the thing that I think, um, Bill has, has done a really good job of their guys can guard one-on-one, um, that, you know, and, and that when you can guard a guy and you don't have to help and you can yeah. just guard a guy, um, that that's hard to go against. And uh, when we played them, I think that was the first team that I, I thought they can guard our guys if, uh, if we don't run our offense. Right. And so um, that's something we're going to have to overcome. Interestingly enough. Yeah. You did play them earlier this season. You lost 75, 57 Morrison had 22, but you guys also had trouble with um, Thad Shemansky. He was 10 for 13 from the floor at 22 points as well. That's the other problem is, they bring multiple looks at this. I mean, you're not it's not unheard of to have to guard multiple guys, obviously, but how do you think you attack it? Granted, understanding it's Monday. And do you even rely on that first game in any way, shape, or form? Uh, yeah, we do. I mean, they wiped us. Uh, they, they came at us, and they were that night, they were the better team, and um, it wasn't close. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, every, you know, I've got some of my buddies are calling me going, hey, you know, they, they, Platteville got upset. You don't have to go play them. I said, we got to play Calvin. I said, that's a really good basketball team. And they've already beat us and beat us soundly. And so we'll have something together. I'm sure we'll, we'll throw something in, but uh, um, I, I like our guys. I think they'll respond. They always do. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I'm anxious for this one because, uh, uh, I think our guys are really looking forward to having another shot at, shot at Calvin, um, and um, they're a big good game. Obviously, on the other side of that is Case Western Reserve, Mary Harden Baylor. Do you, do you even look ahead? Do you even try and peek at the other team so that you at least are somewhat prepared should you get the win? Yeah, you know, we do. It, it, this time of year is so fun, but it, it's really exhausting with synergy and with – all the film you have, you know, I, I sound like the old guy back in the day, you, you know, you had a couple games and you, you kind of pieced it together, but you literally have every possession of every game yeah. uh, of the season. And uh, you feel like you're not doing your job if you're not watching a ton of it. And, um, you know, I, I got through about five games of Washington and Jefferson and our assistants were working on the next game. And I started watching those and um, it's uh, you know, what's coming. And so, um, but I, watching them, I haven't watched a lot of Mary Harden Baylor yet. Um, but I, you know, our assistants are starting to put that together. I think on once we get our Calvin scout in, um, they usually on Wednesdays is about the time we start looking at, at the other ones just to have an idea. 
Well, hey, I appreciate the time. I'll let you get back to all those games and possessions that you got to watch. I know you're just dying to do so. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate the time and the insight on the team. Congratulations on the tremendous run here. And obviously, good luck this weekend. We'll look forward to seeing who ends up getting through the following weekend. As always, we give Coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Uh, I don't have any major thoughts. I just want to say that I'm I'm so happy that the um, – that we've gotten to a point where we get to play these games in front of fans, in front of people. And that is, it's made such a difference for, for our players. Um, just, you know, we always talk about the, the mental health and it gets thrown around a lot, but I, I think just the, just the happiness of our players is just incredible because they're getting to play these games. And um, I, I'm so happy that we're doing this and I can't thank the administrators that are letting us do this enough because it's so it's so important to these guys. Yeah, well said. You know, it's nice to have the games, nice to see them working out, and nice to see guys on the floor playing with fans, as you said, in attendance. Thanks for the time. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Absolutely. John Baines joining us from Elmer's again. They'll take on uh, Calvin. That's the 5 o'clock game um, in that tournament. Of course, that will be played. Um, oh, at Case Western. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk uh, women's basketball. We'll add up to Oshkosh. Talk to the coaches there about their games coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. More after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. It's on us, it's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us, it's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play. 
where they practice, where you cheer, at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm not sure where that was in the ad break, but we had to get going. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville. Hashtag, I just said that. Hoopsville at D3Sports.com is your email address. We're also live simulcasting the show on YouTube and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. Good guess, right? Um, Continuing the conversation with a lot of different aspects of things, we're jumping back into women's basketball. Quick reminder, if you're an SID who's tuned in and has not nominated your team for all region, the deadline is coming up here, I believe, in the next hour or so on D3Hoops.com. So hopefully you're listening live, because if you're listening to the podcast or on demand, you've missed the deadline, and hopefully you put your teams in. Uh, that's how all region becomes all America, and so focus on that. Uh, back to the women's side of things, as we mentioned, uh, games we played in Whitewater. Not often that we get uh, teams from the same pod, let alone the same game. It happens tonight. We try not to do this, but it's going to happen tonight. On the other side of that Whitewater bracket is Baldwin-Wallace at Oshkosh. Baldwin-Wallace could have hosted this. Everybody could have driven, but something didn't happen. So Baldwin-Wallace isn't. But Oshkosh doesn't have to go that far to go Whitewater. They're certainly familiar with it. Join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline. It's the coach of the aforementioned Titans as the w- women's team continues to dance along. Brad Fisher joins us. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations on getting this far. How are you? Thank you. Uh, we're excited to still be playing. Um, coaches, I think, are tired. Players probably got a little more energy after a day off. But I just heard, you know, last last guest talking about how every possession is available. And that's what we've been doing kind of since, since we moved on. So that's just the nature of it's one of the good parts about March Madness. Good and bad, as they say. But yes, good yeah. that you're you're playing bad at all the work you got to do. You just can't yeah. show up and play. Hey, um, interesting season. Uh, I think you know we're so accustomed pre-pandemic that you guys and others are are just you know, behemoths at the top of the conference. And and I granted, I know the conference was tough, but you know, not ranked in the top twenty-five. And I, I went and checked; weren't even getting votes. Not that that. The voters are right necessarily, but I think you guys are coming came into this tournament a little bit more under the radar than in most years. A little maybe not truly understood as to what you did or didn't have. Yeah. From your perspective, right? Is your team is your team a little undersung, or did we just miss something? Um, maybe both. I you know we've we've just had a a, a really weird year. We we brought a lot back. Um, we got off to, I, I thought a pretty good start, you know, the start of our conference schedule was as hard as, as it could be. We played at Eau Claire first, who ended up, you know, in the round of 32, we played lacrosse at home who we beat. And then we, when we flipped the calendar, um, we were at Whitewater right away. So we played at Whitewater yeah. at Eau Claire, two of the first three games. 
And um, I missed the, the whitewater game with COVID and um, their coaches did as well. And it was just a weird start. We lost that game in overtime. They hit a three to send it to overtime. So, we, you know, that one went right to the wire. And then, boom, we had a two-week shutdown and three games canceled. And I thought at that point we kind of went off the radar a little bit. And, and you know, we came back you know, trying to first recover from, you know, kids being a little bit sick and then, you know, no conditioning and wind. And, you know, we, we dropped one on the road there right off of that. We started getting rolling again and then had a couple injuries to our best players that missed some time and took a loss on the road in the league again. So, you know, now we're sitting at four losses in the conference. We don't make three of them up. So we finished seven and four and everyone asked what's wrong. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, we we had some stuff that went on. We lost, you know, that one of those games at the buzzer and and you know, we but we felt like we got to the end of the season and we were playing better and and conference tournament, I thought we played well. We tied with Whitewater again, two minutes to go on the road and lose that one. And, and you know, we were sweating out a little bit, but we really felt like if we got in, into the, the dance that we had a good chance to do some things. And and so far that's that's proved right. We played a really tough schedule this year and a great strength of schedule. And I thought we were ready when, when the tournament rolled around. Yeah, I want to go back to that January 5th game because I don't think we gave it enough justice on the air because, yeah, you weren't available. Either was Carrie. Carrie's yeah, husband wasn't available either. You all were at basically assistants who don't normally get thrown in to say, hey, by the way, you're coaching. Maybe if you get a double tech, but I mean, that's rare. And then it goes overtime. <laughs> like, let's just throw in another monkey wrench here. There was all kinds of wackiness with that game. And granted, add in the whole the whole thing because it was COVID adds a whole nother layer there. I'm curious from your perspective, and I don't know if you talked to Carrie about it. How hard was that to sit at home oh. watching? I, you know, I talked to Joe a little bit about it when we went back for the, for the conference tournament and um, it was surreal. I mean, it really, and do you throw a, an overtime game and all the decisions that come with making, you know, a foul or no foul free right. and, and every, every scenario played out. And here we, you know, we've got two assistant coaches that, um, you know, hadn't, had never coached as a head coach before going into a conference game for us on the road and all the elements that go with, you know, us playing them and us being two of the best teams, I think in the Midwest and, and yeah, there was so much going on and and it goes to OT and, and I thought our staff did a great job. Theirs did a great job. I mean, I think we're so both true to what we do that a lot of the things, the program takes care of, they're kind of program games where this is what we do, but there were so many little decisions that, you know, I think both of us, I'm sure sat there and we're proud of, or, or, you know, thinking, ah, shoot, I wish I would have talked about this. You know, we spent the whole week with Zooms trying to figure out if scenarios happen and yeah. you can't possibly cover every scenario that's going to no. happen in the game. And, and so I'm thinking, man, I let them down by not talking about, hey, if this happens or let's do this. And um, so, yeah, it was just, it's, it's just been a weird year for us. And, and this is the most normal it's felt, honestly, you know, that was the heart of Omicron. And when all that started, we had 13 positives come out of that week. And um, so this is the most normal basketball has felt for us. And obviously we were part of the group that was in the hotel and hope when, when it was canceled. So for me, it's felt like one long season for the last two years, honestly, because we have had zero closure um, since 2020.
Yeah, fair point. I'll get to that in a second. Just a follow-up, by the way. The men's game between Whitewater and Oshkosh that night also goes to overtime at yeah. White, what, Whitewater, I think it was. Yeah. Or at Oshkosh, one of the two. I've got to yeah, put Yeah, at Oshkosh. From yeah, basically, basically, it was at two different schools, and both games go overtime. It was just one of those epic nights in general um, yeah. across the board. And, and, and you, you know, you talk about being prepared for those opportunities. You've been coaching for how long? And that's – you you get used to those opportunities. You don't expect them all to happen in your first game out of the gate, no matter how prepared you are. Um, yeah, back to that. You know, we were talking just earlier uh, with Elmer's, and, and and it was a, it's a topic with Smith as well. All teams that were in that round of sixteen, as we went slowly walking towards the the obvious at one point. At some point, it became obvious. Yeah. You know, everyone's going through practices still. Everyone's going through preps just in case there is a game the next day. You guys, you said were at the hotel. Somebody was on the floor at Hope. I remember they had to had to be told while on the floor. Hope was in the locker room. Everybody in different places. You talk about that long walk to 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 you know one long year now to get to this point. How much did at least playing last year help, or did it actually? I don't want to say make it worse. Wrong term, but um, exacerbate what was obviously just not the norm? Well, you know, for our program, we obviously believe that we are going to have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. You know, we felt like in 2020, um, like everyone does when you get this far, that you got a shot. You got a shot to go to Final Four. You know, we've been in the Sweet 16 a lot. This is our fifth time, and I haven't figured out how to win that game. So, you know, for our program, the Sweet 16 is a big deal. And yeah. and so you're there that night and that gets canceled. And, and we lost two seniors there, but brought a ton back. Last year, um, that group came back, won the WIAC, you know, won the tournament. And we, two years in a row, then we finish by winning our last game. And that's kind of not how you finish a season. You either get beat and someone ends your season or you win the national championship. So last year was, it was great to play and I'm glad we did it. And obviously we got a lot out of it. We won the tournament, which was great, but you still left the end of the year feeling yeah. like this isn't how it's supposed to end. And, you know, we'd rather go out with someone beating us and ending our season than the way even last year went. So, um, so for us now to get back in the tournament and have this chance, I, you know, I, I feel like maybe no matter what happens now, we can kind of put a bow on really the last two years, honestly. Sure. Um, you, you talk about, you know, obviously the, the, the playing, it feeling a little bit more like normal and, and, and getting down that road and, and being able to get ready for the game. You mentioned you're also in your third consecutive sweet 16, haven't gotten past this. You've got a tough opponent ahead yeah. of you in, in Baldwin Wallace. Sherry certainly can coach a team pretty darn well. I, I saw them this past weekend was pretty impressed. I know it's early, but what are you expecting from from this matchup, and how, what do you guys need to do to get through that game to either face Smith or Whitewater? Yeah, they're really good, um, and we've watched a lot, obviously, and I'm sure they have us. I mean, Lily Edwards is as good a player as we'll have seen all year, and we play in a really good league with really good players, and she's she's as they say, she's a bucket. <laughs> you know, she's at seventeen and a half a game. She's put back. She's she's physical she's kind of that tweener matchup size where you'd like to guard her with a guard because she puts it on the floor but you need a little bigger body to do that um emily Irwin, um, who's their backup point guard was fantastic this past weekend um, that was another dimension that 
Um, it looks like they kind of added here towards the end of the year and, and they've got a great mix. They've got juniors and seniors that start and then they've got freshmen, sophomores that come off the bench and really complement well. So um, our hands are full and that's, you know, that's been the thing. Like, you know, everyone asks about, well, why is the Sweet 16? Well, once you get there, everyone is really, really good. Yeah. And, you know, for us, it's been all different types of teams. You know, we lost to Wash U and they had 3D1 transfers and, and, you know, we've played Warburg at, at their best. And, you know, we've, we've felt like we've had really good teams and so have the teams we've played. So, um, you know, we're excited to have the ability to get some fans there. Obviously we're close to home and that's nice. And, and we're getting a lot healthier. I think honestly losing in the conference tournament, had I known we were going to get in, I would have been feeling okay because it gave us an extra, you know, half of a week to, to try to get healthy, which at this time of the year is huge. So, um, you know, coming off the win on Saturday at Simpson with all of, you know, the stuff that went on with that and having to sit in the locker room and there's, we just had so many weird things this year. Like this season is going to be a bunch of bullet points that probably won't happen again, um, hopefully in our time. So, yeah. um, you know, we feel confident, but again, everyone that's playing this weekend, won two games, won a little mini tournament. So I think everyone comes in feeling like, you know, they're playing their best basketball. Uh, add a bullet point. I'm monitoring a, a line of storms that are about to roll over the studio here. Uh, probably won't affect us. We're in a good spot in that sense. But you guys had a dandy of a weekend in Simpson, and of course, yeah. um, got pulled off the floor. I think it was during warmups, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. for a yeah. tornado warning that ended up being a deadly set of tornadoes that landed nearby. I experienced something similar 10 years ago in Transylvania, but it was during the day. We we got delayed with games for another reasons. Nobody was on the floor. Nobody was in the gym other than a, a team and myself and some others. T tell us a little bit about that experience of, of having to get pulled off the floor and, and seek safety. And, and on top of that, it kept getting longer. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, that was my fault for one. I wasn't super aware of even when we drove to the gym, what was going on. We walked out of the, out of the bus and it was 60 low sixties degrees and a little humid. And I'm like, man, it's nice out. It's yeah. you know the first weekend of March and it feels great. And then um, a little buzzer went off in the building uh, while I was in the locker with one of my assistants. And he's like, I'll go check what that was. And it, it was so short that I thought someone accidentally flipped the sure. fire alarm or something. And then the, the kids came back in, we did our matchups and we're ready to go out. We try to get out at five and they go out the door and I hear somebody tell them you got to go back in. And so they came back in and then um, I don't remember if it was our rep or, or someone from Simpson came in and said, we've got this warning, but it's only supposed to go until 515. We were a five tip. So we're like, okay, well, you know, once we get out, five minutes is fine. We're ready to go. And then um, the rep came back in it got moved to 545. So now I'm trying to do the math on how long can you sit before you need to stretch and do all those things. And then, um, so then, you know, Brian and I met, I want to say about 10 to six, um, both kind of said at this point, we probably need 20 minutes. We don't want anyone to get hurt. Right. We also don't want the first quarter to be the warm up and have a game right. that's important, have a game that's important decided because no one's loose and hit shot a ball in, in an hour and a half. So, yeah. um, so then they came back in and said, well, it's going to be another hour. And now we're trying to figure out like, do we need to feed them? And, and, you know, what are, you know, they haven't eaten now since one o'clock. And now if we're looking at a seven thirty tip, like yeah. we're going to finish at nine 30. So there's a bunch of stuff. And so I'm preparing to try to figure out what we're going to, where we're going to find food or if we have anything on the bus. And then probably five minutes later, the rep came back in and said that the, the, 
the police or the kind of the, the city safety people and had called and said that the, the storms had kind of moved moved to the north and kind of dissipated in our area and we could turn around and get the warm-up started so um so yeah our, our kids were just kind of hanging out you know we're in a, a visitor's locker room that's got benches and cinder blocks so you know they're hanging out and they're playing a bunch of games that i couldn't tell you how they get played and <laughs> And just trying to stay loose. And I, I really think it actually helped us. I thought um, our kids were really ready. They stayed kind of ready. I think if we'd have been home, we would have put our feet up a little bit. We'd have been probably a little more comfortable with, you know, some of the furniture and things like that. And we were just like, just tell us when we're going to go. And when the rep came in and I asked them if they were going to pull, if they were ready to play, there was an explosion that that we haven't seen probably enough, honestly, for an excitement to get out there and get going. They actually ran out too fast because Simpson wasn't Simpson wasn't ready to come out. So we then waited um, so they could get the word and, and get going. But um, yeah, it was a weird day. And, and then we hear that, you know, unfortunately, you know, it became tragic. And, you know, we had no idea that what was going on outside. We're, we're kind of in the basement there at Simpson and and you know there's fans outside in the hallways kind of taking cover too but we had no idea that 15 miles away like that much destruction was happening so we were kind of numb to what was happening around us so um when we heard that we saw some of it on the drive back on on sunday it was it was kind of surreal that that was going on while we're just kind of hanging out in the locker room no i know what you mean uh in a different way but i know what you mean but at least you came out safe and got the win and now on to Baldwin-Wallace. Hey, I'd love to talk more, but I got to let you go. But I appreciate the time. Uh, good luck this weekend. Uh, should be some dandy of games, as you know. And and we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, it should be a great weekend. You know, hope our fans come out and whoever else, you know, Whitewater, everybody else. I think we can make a great experience here this weekend with a couple of Wisconsin teams helping put some bodies in the building. So we're excited to play and um, glad to still be alive. Yeah, I hear you. Well, thank you again. Take care of yourself. We'll look forward to catching up and uh, enjoy the games nonetheless. All right. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Brad Fisher joined us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Sad what happened out in Simpson, but glad to see everybody was safe on site, obviously, and it ended up being a dandy of a game against Simpson. Uh, they got Baldwin-Wallace, as we said, ahead 6 o'clock Eastern time for that one. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to a graduate student at WPI about playing in the Sweet 16. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive you know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win so while you're cheering keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary if you see something suspicious say something to local authorities used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. 
but then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along, if you got questions for us, you know how to get a hold of it. It's all there on the corner of the screen. Uh, I know if you're on YouTube and streaming, uh, our logo's kind of over that. We'll have to fix that at a later date. Um, but you know the information. Go ahead and check it out and let us know. If you've got questions, fire them away. All right, let's talk. Uh, last show, we had a bunch of uh, student-athletes on. Tonight, not as many, but we got one out of a pretty good institution, WPI. Men's basketball has been having a pretty good year all season. I would say flying a semi under the radar. It's hard to say exactly, considering uh, they've been playing well all year, but at the same time, maybe haven't gotten the attention a lot of others have. Moved up to number 13 in the top 25 before the NCAA tournament started. They are 26-2 and two now. They finished the conference 13-1. and one. Their last loss was back on the 26th of, no- of January, I should say. The previous one was back on the 21st of November. They got past Vassar and then Penn State Harrisburg, which was a little bit of revenge uh, in the second round. They got RPI, interesting enough, up ahead of them. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk all about it is a graduate student from the w- WPI men's basketball team. It's Colin McNamara. Colin, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. I hope you're well. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. First and foremost... Was the win over Penn State Harrisburg? Because if I remember correctly, that was the loss you guys had in 2020, right? Was that well, we, a little bit? I'm double checking. Uh, we actually lost Yeshiva. Oh, you lost Yeshiva. It was <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I had I had the wrong team in the wrong place. But still, Same to ball. get get out of that weekend and be able to advance, you had to feel good about that. Yeah, of course, it was a great feeling. I mean, first and foremost, defending home court. You know, that's one of our goals throughout the year be undefeated at home and it's uh it's always an advantage when you have you know a huge student section there supporting you you know you have the whole city on your back uh so it was cool in that environment and uh yeah and i was excited to get past the first first weekend yeah, tell me a little bit about the environment there because there first off there's a lot of schools in, in the worcester area so there's a lot to go around as it were but you guys always seem to to get a, an enthusiastic crowd to your games and, and you couldn't always experience that crowd this season how, how important was it yeah no it's definitely a, a gratifying feeling um me having that been my you know last home game ever uh at wpi it was definitely last three games or, or four games from the uh conference tournament into the ncaa tournament um 
you know, it's unbelievable. We have a great supporting cast, all the student athletes, um, you know, show support to our team as, you know, we do with the other teams in other seasons. So I think, you know, all the supports reciprocated and uh, throughout the student bodies, um, you know, kind of student-wide support and, and a very loving community. Um, let's also talk about the fact that you're a graduate student. So you made the conscious effort to return to this program, to take that extra time, to be a, a, a postgraduate student, obviously COVID allowing you the extra time, but you had to make a conscious decision to play while doing a postgraduate, while doing all these other things, while spending more money, for lack of a better description, how hard was that decision or how easy was that decision? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the decision was made you know, shortly after I learned that we didn't have a season last year. Um, you know, spoke with my coaching staff, uh, Coach Bartley, Coach Robinson. Um, and it took me a second to boil over. I mean, I graduated with a class of uh, seven seniors or six or seven seniors. So um, not knowing if any of them would stick around and what the team was going to be like. Um, uh, it took a second for me to really wrap my head around the whole situation. But uh, as soon as I got a clear mind, uh, I think it was an easy decision to come back, uh, you know, finish my last year eligibility. I definitely had some unfinished business and uh, you know, I think I made the right decision. Yeah, I, it certainly is working out for you. Uh, you guys are having a, a magical season this year, playing really good basketball. What's been the secret this year? What What's worked so well this season? Because I'll be honest, there's a lot of times I watch a WPI team and you guys are playing well early. You look like you're pretty good midseason. Then you kind of get into conference play, stub the toe a few times, and we're all wondering, okay, how good are these engineers? You guys didn't have that this year. You 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 were strong all the way through. What was so different about this campaign? Um, I mean, we just, we have <clears throat> a lot of hungry guys. I mean, we have two grad students, myself and, uh, Caleb Downing, um, who've been through it. We've been in four conference championship games. Um, you know, ever since a freshman year, we have another senior who's also been in conference championship games every single year. Um, so we've been through the worst and, you know, right now we've been through the best. So we've seen it all. We have a lot of experience. Um, and then we have some young, hungry guys um, that joined our team, you know, last fall. And they got to spend a whole year uh, just practicing and building chemistry. And I think our mesh with our experience and our, and our uh, youth and you know, our energetic young guys, uh, I think we blend well together and uh, it's shown this year. No, it certainly has shown this year playing well. As you said, it was important. You guys got practices in last year. You didn't play, but you at least got some practices. And that certainly – contributed you were a second team all conference you had two teammates who were first team all conference coach was coach of the year those other teammates are john lothler and and john adams not to be confused by the founding father i don't believe he's come back in any way shape or form how important is that trio because as you mentioned you also have downing at 9.1 points a game who also contributes but what about you guys at the top how do you feed off of each other what what are your strengths that end up being so strong for this team yeah I mean, I think one of our strengths is that we're a very balanced team. Obviously, uh, John Lowther and Adams are our front court big men that we play off of. But, um, you know, ever since I've been at school, we've always had a very balanced scoring. Um, you know, some years I've had four or five guys in double figures. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Caleb Dine, 9.8, nearly 10 points a game. So we have four guys averaging double figures. Um, and, you know, we definitely – 
we feed off the energy of the big men and how they play and, uh, you know, our guard core, um, which is severely underrated, um, plays well off them. And, um, and we, I think we just built a great chemistry over the, over the year. Um, and we're starting to peak in our chemistry at, at the right time. Um, we're you know, playing our best basketball. Well, it helps to be playing your best basketball at this time of year, obviously. Uh, that's certainly darn important. Uh, ahead of you, you guys have uh, RPI. Interesting enough, similar school, uh, initials, everything. You guys kind of appreciate maybe a little more of what those student athletes are going, you know, deal with in terms of academics like you do. But have you started looking at video to see what kind of team they are yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're obviously preparing for them. Um, the game's Friday, so um, I'm sure they're they're looking at us too. You know, we've been breaking down film and, and preparing accordingly. Um, and yeah, it'll be an exciting matchup. I mean, every team at this point in the Sweet 16 is a great basketball team, and uh, you know, as we're traveling down to Virginia, it'll be a fun road trip, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens when we get there. Yeah, heading all the way down to Randolph, Macon. That's where you'll be playing. Wave as you go by. You'll be uh, actually. I might be on hand. We'll see. We're still working on those schedules. We'll, yeah, I don't want to jinx anything. Uh, right. Hey, got a little note. You scored your thousandth point on Friday against Vassar. That had to been, that had to make the NCAA tournament just a little bit more special for yourself. Yeah, no, it was a exciting little individual feat um, to reach. I mean, our, our program's not big on emphasizing and, and celebrating really individual uh, accomplishments. Sure, more of a you know team oriented um, type of program. But, you know, it's cool to reach that feat. Um, you know, it just shows all the work that's been put in my, my whole life. You know, in basketball, it's kind of what, you know, it's been my first love. Um, now it's just cool to reach that feat, you know, tell, tell my kids when I'm older, my thousand point score is kind of cool. See, it has a nice little ring to it. No, no, that sounds lovely. No, it absolutely does. Hey, I'm curious, what was your major when you were undergrad? Mechanical engineering. Oh, okay. What are you doing for graduate? So I'm also getting my master's in mechanical engineering. Oh, so you just doubled down on the fun. Yeah, I did. doesn't get any better. You guys at WPI and probably somewhere else too, but I, I know you guys end up having senior projects that you have to do. Obviously, yours is in the past as you're a graduate student now, but I'm kind of curious. What was yours? Because we always end up hearing some really cool ideas. Yeah, so my senior <clears throat> project, uh, I worked uh, with a team of like four or five guys. We uh, designed um, and trying to configure an electric jet ski based off of uh, the hull uh, in a gutted out gas powered jet ski, like 1997 Sea-Doo jet ski. Oh, so, wow. You went old school with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, we definitely passed the project down to the next team. It was kind of um, one of those projects where it, you know, it takes a couple teams to, to get to that final stage. But um, now we did our part. Unfortunately, we couldn't ride the jet ski on Indian Lake in Worcester by the end of it. But, you know, maybe a couple years down the line, if, if a team gets it, I might have to shoot back up. To I was going to say, if, if, if the team finally accomplishes it, you guys ought to come back and ride. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Play the sport. So I get the idea of electric because there's electric everything nowadays, which is really cool. But I'll admit, electric jet ski raises, brings in a component that is really not a fan of electricity, that being water. That, that's got to make that project 10 times more difficult. Yeah. I mean, well, you have to take into account the spacing within the hull of the lithium ion batteries. Um, you know, obviously the lithium ion in the batteries is not 
very accustomed to water in itself. That's true too. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so there's a lot of mechanical engineering involved in designing the <clears throat> the battery casings, how you're going to orient them within the hull, um, and of course, it's nice to have electric jet skis so that you reduce, you know, the, the pollution and the waste that goes into the yeah, water. Absolutely, the basic gist of it. Um, no, I I love the idea. I'm just wondering, uh, did you also maybe just bite off more than you could chew. I mean, that seems like an audacious project. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we didn't come up with that. You know, it was, it was one of the projects that was kind of floating in the air uh, as we were looking into projects. One of the advisors uh, mentioned it to us and well, we, we thought it would be cool to design something and be able to ride it at the end of the year, um, ride the jet ski. But uh, so we definitely, it was a big task. I mean, my advisor ended up having a kid in the middle of the project. So uh uh, it, it definitely um, slowed down a little bit, but uh, <laughs> it was a cool experience nonetheless. I hear you. Hey, um, I know the leaving a legacy is, is probably pretty important to you, especially with Coach Bartley's squad. How are you getting the, the younger group ready to go, the freshmen and sophomores to take over when you guys all depart? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it was just being a leader this whole year. Um, especially with, with the freshmen this year, um, showing them from the first day of stepped on the campus how WPI operates, how um, the work ethic and, and what the grind's like, exactly how we get down um, every single day, the type of attitude you have to carry, just your lifestyle, what it, what it needs to be like, um, you know, to be uh, effective and to leave your own legacy um, at WPI. So I think it just in a way, just showing the way for the younger guys, um, on and off the court, um, and how, how, what's, what's the right way to go about, go about your day and be great, you know? So. What are you um, expecting, uh, from this week? And is this a, if you get past who you have to get past here in the, in the next round in RPI, you're either going to have uh, Randolph Macon on the other side, uh, or another tough uh, opponent in themselves. How do you guys get ready for either them or Mass Dartmouth, who you know a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we t well, my coach loves to talk about it. every day is a single event. So we like to take uh, things one one game at a time, at least one day at a time. Um, so I'm not going to speak too much on those games. But you know, if it gets to that point, um, you know, I'd like my chances against anybody. Um, I love this team. I came back for a reason. and. Uh, you know, we're ready to compete against whoever's in front of us. Uh, anytime I have WPI on, I have to shamelessly talk about Mr. Bartley's Burger College Cottage, not because I've been there, but because I know the connection to one of the better burger places in New England through your head coach's uh, uh, relatives and brother. Have you guys been? Is that an oft is that a place you often go to celebrate? Uh, I went my sophomore year. I went uh, a couple years back. Well, every time we used to play in Cambridge against MIT, um, on the way back, we'd, we'd normally stop by. His, his mom used to would bring out the burgers and whatnot. Um, yeah, I, li I live not too far away from there. I live in Arlington. So, um, you know, I used to go there. I don't know. I don't know if it's still – we haven't been there in a while. But, uh, you know, maybe after this weekend, we might have to go back for a celebratory burger. Uh, yeah. I think that seems obvious <laughs> to me. I, I don't understand why you haven't been back in a while. Should be a yearly thing every time you go to MIT. I know. I know. Oh well. Oh well. We'll work on that. I've heard that. I've heard it's good. Someday I'll get there. 
Hey, Colin, appreciate you coming on. Uh, appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. Congratulations on on the career. Congratulations on on everything you guys have been doing uh, to get to where you are. Um, we have a tradition on the show. We always let the guests give, have the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Um, <laughs> one thing is uh, most people don't know. If you don't know about me, uh, I have a clothing brand as well called More Than Different. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, I'm actually wearing this shirt right now with the sweatpants on. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, called More Than Different. Uh, the website, website's called mtdlifestyle.com. Uh, basically, just a clothing brand that celebrates people's differences and emphasizes celebrating people for who they are rather than trying to fit in, um, you know, in, in the time where people, people, you know, appreciate what, you know, similarities rather than differences. So um, we try to bring that out and celebrate, you know, what makes people unique about each other. So. Oh, good stuff, sir. Good stuff. We will make sure to put a link on the website awesome. to get to that for more information. That is awesome. Good plug. Well use of the time, Sue. Uh, you, you deserve a, an extra bonus on your uh, graduate project for that. I, I don't control <laughs> it, but I'd say so. Hey, good luck this weekend. Safe travels, most importantly, and we'll look forward to seeing you on Friday. Definitely. Appreciate it, Dave. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for t- coming on the show. Colin McNamara joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Yeah, check it out. MD. MTD Lifestyle. We'll put a link on the website. We'll get you guys to that. We'll even tweet it out here in just a little bit as well. Good stuff. Uh, we'll come back. We'll, uh, let's see where we ha- oh, we're heading to Texas. We're going to talk to both men's and women's coaches at Mary Harden Baylor's. Both teams continue to dance in the NCAA tournament. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Back with more after this. Your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports listeners dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. 
to make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you've got any questions for us, join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. If you got any, um, let's see, you can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoopsdoc or D3Sports.com. I keep going back to the old one. Very strange. Um, of course, we're also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville and YouTube, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. People are asking about starting times for games. Go to D3Hoops.com. We've got the bracket, starting times on the schedules, everything. Get you ready. Let's head down to Texas because there's uh, only two schools, I believe, that still have both of their teams in the NCAA tournament. Christopher Newport on the men's and women's side and Mary Harden Baylor still dancing. And both Mary Harden Baylor teams needed to use epic comebacks to win and advance on. That always gets our attention. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopso Hotline to talk about it is the women's coach from Mary Harden Baylor, Mark Morning Morefield. I can say it. <laughs> and from and from the men's side, it's Cliff Carroll. First and foremost, uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate the time you're taking to join us here on the show together. Um, yeah, we appreciate you, Dave. Thanks. Yes, thanks um, for all you do. I really appreciate that. Uh, I don't know if 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 your son Cliff was on the sideline for any of these games. I did get a little nervous though when you guys were down. I'm curious, Mark, if you have any of these superstitions like Cliff has to make sure you get wins in this tournament. So, so Dave, I, I went back and I actually got the numbers here. So uh, starting three years ago when I was at Sol Ross, over the last three years, my son is uh, 55 and seven overall. <laughs> and here at UMHB, UMHB thinks they hired me. They re really hired the, the water boy. In the last two years, he's 37 and two. So uh, yeah, we, I'm, I might try to sneak him on the sidelines this weekend if I can. I, I shouldn't have looked up those numbers. That's absolutely epic. Uh, so I was about right, 90-plus percent, 95%. Uh, Mark, you got any superstitions that you that you abide by in this in this craziness of life? Well, I, I, I guess I have two sons, and uh, they obviously don't have the record as Willie has. So um, my, my oldest started sitting on the bench a couple of games and – by the time the fourth quarter rolled around on some of these closer games this season, he had pulled the eject button and he was gone. So he's over by the water cooler having water and he, it's too much for him to handle. So, and usually my youngest, our rule is if once you turn 10, you can sit on the bench for a couple of games. And our, my youngest is eight and he, he's usually starting fights in the stands. So with, with the opponent. So I, I don't know if they're quite ready for, uh, for, for that type of mentality, I got one who can't hang around and the other one who's starting chaos in the stands. So this is it, it might be best that they just stay. <laughs> no, I love it. I think it works out. I think in, in some crazy, wild, wacky way, it works out. Um, first off, congratulations to both of you guys on getting to the tournament. Obviously, just getting there was half that battle, but you both, both ended up getting opportunities Someone at the expense of the other uh, to continue marketing on. Obviously, women couldn't play because men got the chance to play at home. But more importantly, Cliff, you guys took advantage of that opportunity because you got a chance to play at home and you didn't necessarily have to go through Texas schools to do it. I'll start with that, Cliff. How important was it to be at home and how important was it the bracket to be built in a way that you guys didn't necessarily have to beat up on fellow teams? 
Yeah, I mean, we only had two Texas teams get a chance to be in a tournament, and unfortunately, we played each other on Saturday. But, um, you know, our, our crowds this weekend were unbelievable. And you go back to the conference tournament, you know, we averaged over 1,500 fans for, the, the, for our last five uh, games in, these, in the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. So the, the atmosphere was absolutely electric. Our players fed off of it. Uh, the other teams were missing free throws that were a little bit uncharacteristic. And, um, you know, that, that was, that's all due to our, our fan support and our students coming out. So, um, you know, we were very fortunate to be able to host the conference tournament in the first rounds. Um, unfortunately, you know, Moorfield had, had to go be uh, road warriors because of it. But listen, he's got the toughest team in America, man. Those girls are, are, are tougher than a steak that he grills out there. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, his, he's got a tough team. You know, they, they went up there and got some things done. Yeah, no, you, you point out you also got the advantage of being at home for the conference tournament. Mark, as a result, you absolutely got the short end of the stick, not once, but twice. But yeah. you had to be Road Warriors. How, how important has it been to at least know that you can win no matter where you go? Mark, did you hear me? Hey, Mark. Well, you heard yeah. us. Well, I, I think the great thing is Cliff is right. Even my own sons, when I grill a steak on the grill, they say how bad I am at it. So Cl Cliff is right about that. I, I grill a horrible steak. Um, but I think the big – yes, can you hear me? That... Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're just a little delayed. Yes. Go ahead. There. How's that? Yeah, we're good. We can hear you. We're weird delay. That's... Yeah, you hear me okay? Yeah, we're good, Mark. <laughs> I've never seen a delay like this. Okay. So go. no, what I was saying was Cliff is absolutely right. My own, my own fan. Good. Well, my own, Cliff, Cliff is right. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> the plan to try this duo is not working. The, the internet's not getting up to his house right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he says the guy from Soul Ross. <laughs> All right, there Get we are. Back. All right, I think I think I'm okay now. So. What I was saying was uh, Cliff is absolutely right. My own family doesn't even want me to grill steaks. That's how bad they are. So, um, you know, we try to take that mentality with our team. I, I think the biggest thing is, is obviously we would have, you know, you go through the conference season 18 and one and, um, you know, the, you just, you know that, you know, Cliff had a great team and they had a chance to host. So, you know, that's how our conference is set up. Even years are the men's and then the odd years are the women's. So, um, you know, that, that, that we knew uh, going in. And then um, obviously being, you know, a priority year for the for the men's team and, and switching that with hosting and everything. So, you know, I think I think we operate better on the road, to be honest. Um, I, I think there's less we can control the controllables a little bit more. The distractions are a little bit less. Um, you know, we, we, we know where they're at after we're done practicing and um, and things of that nature. So, you know, I, I, I think it's something that we kind of hang our hat on. Um, we, we've been able to do that in the past. Um, and, and I think too, what kind of made us tougher was a stretch when we had a little bit of a weather situation down here and had to play from in East Texas and go all the way to West Texas in four games in seven days and covering the whole state. And so, um, you know, we, we like it. I think it's easy, a little bit easier when you're in one place too, um, as compared to being in conference where Wednesday, Thursday, you're somewhere. Friday, Saturday, you're somewhere else. So once you can get kind of comfortable and into a routine. But, um, you know, at, at this point, it, I've come to learn in my time and, and being in, I've, on the men's side and on the women's side in silly tournaments, 
it, it's the tougher team who's going to survive and, and the team that has good guard play. That's true. Certainly a balanced attack. I got to talk about the epic comebacks because I was watching the Webster game uh, while I had another game. And was I another game? I don't remember where I was, to be honest. Somehow I was watching your game <laughs> against Webster. And you needed a furious comeback uh, to get past that one before then taking on East Texas Baptist. And it, I mean, it looked like Webster was going to kind of legitimize its season, its undefeated mark by by taking you guys out there and, and basically two upsets at Rhodes. What was said late in that in that fourth quarter that, that kind of spurred the comeback and then held Webster off? I think the biggest thing is, is we got completely away from what we were doing against the press. And, and, and as you know, Dave, any team that presses a lot, you're always going to, you have a chance. I mean, one time we're up by eight, the next minute we're down by three. And, and so teams that press aggressively like Webster and, and they're very well coached, um, those, they're always going to stay in the game. They're, it's always going to be hard to kind of put them away, so to speak. Um, in, in that closing minutes, you know, the biggest thing that was really said was, we, we got to continue to play our style of basketball, but more importantly, we got to execute and have poise and composure against the press and, and do the things that we talked about against the press and, and execute against the press. And, um, you know, we got away from that several different times in the flow of the game. And, um, you know, we just had to have a reminder about that in, in those closing minutes. And then um, obviously we knew that, you know, once we break the press, let's take the easies. If not, let's get a ball movement. And then um, Bethany McLeod, a senior guard, um, you know, who, who's been playing very well this year and has really become, you know, one, one of the big leaders on our team, um, hits a nice ball reversal three to, to put us up. And we just have to kind of maintain from that point on. Certainly an impressive win. They obviously took on East Texas Baptist in the next game and got a big win against them to move on to the next round. We'll talk about what's next. But uh, Cliff, I got to move to you. You guys needed a 19 to one run. Uh, to secure the fact that you could keep on playing. Tell us about the weekend from your perspective. Yeah, we, I mean, we were feeling good against Chapman. We had a double-digit lead, and all of a sudden, with four minutes left, we were down 11 and, uh, you know, had, had to get in in the time in the under four timeout and, you know, change what we're doing defensively and try to, you know, create some turnovers. And we did, and we hit some huge shots. And, and our senior, uh, our only senior, Car Carson Hammond, um, nailed two big time threes. One of them was from about 35 feet out till the game. So, uh, but man, just our kids played tough and they hung, hung together and, and played well together there at the end. And, um, you know, then, then had to move on to Trinity who plays a different style. They play the zone, but then they turn around and they just, you know, just run it up your rear end every, every time they get a chance and play it with incredible pace. So uh, we, we had, we had two very challenging games and, you know, we're able to, to stick together and get two wins. Yeah, big wins, obviously, for both programs. I, I'm kind of curious, and maybe this is a little bit of a selfish question, but how much – not selfish, but just because we cover football, it's selfish. How much is, is the national champion by the football program help spur you guys as a, as a department and as a, other programs, or is it unrelated? No, I, I think definitely it, it helps. You know, I mean, we, we sit here and, and um, you know, you see these kids and we see these guys and – and we know it can be done. You know, we have examples of it right here in front of us that it can be done. And, um, you know, admittedly, Pete Fredenberg is a lot smarter than all of us, you know, and, and, you know, he's a great coach, definitely a lot better looking than me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if I was good looking at, at 85 years old at Pete Fredenberg, just, we'll, we'll be lucky. But no, I'm just, I, I'm coach, <laughs> I'm kidding, Coach Fredenberg, but, uh, but we, we know it can be done. I and mean, it's right here. There's a lot of success. You know, they won a national championship. Mark right here next next door has been to the Sweet 16 a couple times, you know. Um, 
So, so we, success is, is all the way up and down our hallways here. You know, we have a bunch of conference championships up and down the hallway. We get to see it every day. We get to interact with champions every day. So we know it's, it's possible. We know it can be done. Mark, your perspective on that? Yeah, and I, and I agree with what Cliff is saying. And, and I think it just start, starts at the top of our administration with Dr. O'Rear, Dr. Theodore, and Dr. Kerr. And just that, that's the mindset of, you know, of our administration that where they're, you know, if we're going to play, if we're going to play the game, we're going to play to win. And I think that's the biggest thing is this, you know, we, we want to excel in, in what we do in all facets here at UMHB and, um, you know, athletics is no different. And uh, we want to go out there and, and we want to compete and we want to represent and uh, we want to compete in a way that, you know, we're, we're, we're going to win championships and compete for national championships and compete to make runs in the national tournament. Certainly impressive what you guys have been able to do as programs, uh, especially this season. Cliff, it was we talked in in Vegas. It was a little bit. By the way, you got to bring Mark next time. Uh, bring both teams. <laughs> just just saying. Let's go. We're we're we'll, we'll travel anywhere. We we love it. Oh, I know you will, and that's why we want you both at the same place. But um, Cliff, we talked about um, you know you're, you're kind of early on in in the program, even though you took over before pandemic. This was your technically your first full season. Mark, on the other hand, you've been there quite a few years and kind of been molding the program to to get to this kind of run. I'll start with Mark. How gratifying is it that you're at this point and with a legitimate chance to keep moving on? Yeah, I think it's something when, you know, when, when we when I first took over seven years ago, that was the goal. And I think it's just more or less coming from the 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 previous head coaches I've worked for, whether it was at Valparaiso University with coach Homer Drew or Baylor with Scott Drew. And I think that's just the thing is, is, you know, I've worked for two head coaches that were in rebuilding situations and we wanted to build something that not only from a regional standpoint, but from, you know, a standpoint of where we can compete on a national level. And, um, you know, it's gratifying because obviously the more you win, the better recruits you get. Um, but I think we have a very, something that's very sellable as well too here being so centrally located in Texas and a beautiful campus, great academics, but it's very much gratifying to the fact that, you know, here we are, um, we're in our third straight sweet 16, obviously last year there was nothing, um, and so forth. And, you know, like you said, with a legitimate team and a legitimate chance to continue to advance. And, um, that's what we've been building for, you know, you kind of get there that first time and, and the bright lights and the big eyes and, you know, then you get humbled real quick by veteran teams that have been there before. And then, you know, then COVID hits. Um, and, and we felt like we had a veteran team with that team with Hannah Holt, Kendall Rollins and Alicia Blackwell. And here we are again with um, a very talented team, albeit young, but still a very talented team that's kind of been through the fires this year. And, you know, we're excited about it. Um, but we also know by being in a couple of these that, you know, hey, it's great, but we want to keep on advancing. We don't want to just make the sweet 16 and then just say, hey, that's what we want to hang our hat on. You know, we want to move to the Elite Eight. We want to be in Pittsburgh. And um, that's just kind of the mindset that we're in. But anytime you can advance in the NCAA tournament, as you know, Dave, you, you want to enjoy it because it's very hard to do. And sometimes you don't even get those opportunities to compete in the national tournament. And um, you, you don't want to take these moments for granted. Um, certainly agree with that. Uh, interesting enough, the program has moved on, Cliff, to the championship game. But it's been a while since Ken DeWeese was able to make that magic happen in 2013. Do you guys feel like you're almost that, that you can't kind of go on that history? Nobody was there, including coaching staff, that this is all new for everybody? See, my assistant coach, Thomas Orr, played on that team. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so there's one know, guy. We have one guy <laughs> and, uh, and he's been valuable. I mean, he's, he's talked a lot to our guys about, you know, going through this tournament and, and being a team that expects to be back at that level. Um, you know, so Thomas has been big for us, but, um, you know, I, I've told these guys, even though I, I don't have personal history here at Mary Harden Baylor, but, you know, I've been on teams in junior college and won a national championship. We've, we've been the Sweet 16 as a Texas Tech. So, you know, I, we've kind of been through some of this, um, you know, before, even though I'm not the head coach. But I've so I've told all these guys when I'm recruiting them that, hey, we're going to compete for national championships. And, and uh, you know, that sounds crazy coming from, you know, a guy with my background. And, and uh, but you know, the key is to find kids that are just as crazy as you, you know, and, and that believe that and will buy into it. And these guys have. And we believe that we're as good as anybody in the country. We believe that we can make a run. You know, we got our, our, our running partners right here next door to us, the girls, you know. So, you know, we all, we all have like this common belief that, you know, we're all really good. We all have a chance at this. So um, I think it really helps that we have somebody along the ride with us. You know, our kids have somebody to talk to outside of our team that's right in the same boat. So, uh, I can't tell you how how valuable it is to have the girls right here, and, and you know, not just the girls, but that that group of girls is special. I mean, they're solid. They they got level heads. They're tough, and um, and they're just really neat kids. And and uh, and so our kids relate and they talk. And so this is kind of cool that they're going on this ride together. Interesting enough, you both be taking on the host school. Not that that matters all that much sometimes. Um, Cliff, you guys are taking on Case Western Reserve, who is playing the you can't. You better find a way to make sure we're still losing when the final horn blows because they have come back in both games in the final minute of either regulation of overtime to win those games. Your initial first blush of the Spartans and what you expect from them. And they're tough. You know, they're, they're led by some grad transfers. They're older. You know, they're playing with a very mature style of basketball. But what Case Western doesn't realize is that I'm a country boy, man. And, you know, you go out hog hunting – you got to make sure those suckers are dead or, or they'll get you, Dave. You know, so, you, know, I mean, you, you got to put more one bullet in them. And uh, so, you know, taking it from a country perspective, you know, we're going to go out there and, and we're going to fight all the way to the very end, you know. But, but we, we've been that kind of team too. I mean, we've had to have these spectacular comebacks, you know, several times. And, um, and so it'll be an interesting matchup, you know. I mean, we've been a team that have blown leads. You know, they're a team that comes back. Um both very talented teams, both tough teams. Um, I think Coach McGinnis may, may have the edge on me on the coaching part of it, but, you know, that's okay. My, my guys get to overcome that all the time. So uh, um, <laughs> we're, we're going to have fun, man. We're going to go up there and we're going to play hard and we're going to play our style of basketball. And, um, and hopefully, you know, our guys get off the plane and, and bring their games with them. McGinnis was all, will also be in a suit, but I'm not going to hold that against you because I like the polo look too. Um, I, I, I've retired all my suits, Dave. Yeah, I don't blame you, sir. After putting one on for the bracket show, I don't blame you a bit. Um, I'm going to need at least one thing changed before I get to uh, Fort Wayne. Um, Cliff, uh, side note, I don't think I've ever had a show where we're talking hoops turn into hog hunting in my 19 years doing this. So thank you. It means something's new every day. I appreciate that. Dave, you never, I mean, you should know this by now. You never know you, what you're going to get when you bring the country boy on, man. I'm That's a, so darn true. The beard. That guy with the beard coaching college basketball. I'm, I'm you're just giving me an ammo for future NCAA shows. You you understand I mean, that, right? Dave, you realize I'm a, I'm a lot closer to Santa Claus than I am to Coach K. 
you know, so, <laughs> so you know, I mean, it, it is what it is, man. It's what you get with Cliff Carroll, buddy. Next year, you're on. Next year, you guys make the tournament. I am definitely dropping lines like, "Watch out, these guys know how to hunt hogs," and people are going to be very confused. Um, <laughs> Mark, Mark, on your side, I don't know what kind of analogy you can give me here, but you're playing Transylvania. Obviously, Julie's got a very good team with her. They're undefeated. One of now only two teams left undefeated. You knocked off one of the other ones that was undefeated. What do you see on first blush with the uh, Pioneers? Well, I have no analogies that can relate to hog hunting. Don't worry. Um, I, didn't, you know, I wasn't I holding guess, you to do it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess from being a Northwest Indiana boy living off Lake Michigan, we didn't do a whole lot of hog hunting. We just went and fished and hung out on the beach, so – um, but, uh, you know, the biggest thing is, is obviously a very talented team. Anytime you're undefeated, that says a lot about your team. Um, they were in our first sweet 16 pod when we went two, three years ago, whatever it was. And we had a chance to watch them a little bit. And, um, obviously coach does a tremendous job with them. Um, you know, obviously being undefeated, um, we know, you know, they play a little matchup zone, um, which is something we haven't really seen a whole lot of this year. Um, you know, and they want to do a lot off different ball screen actions, um, and everything. So that's kind of very similar to what we do offensively is just how they attack off ball screens. And we kind of do the same thing, but the matchup zone will be different. And we know, obviously, um, you know, being a Midwest boy that, you know, everyone's going to come on out and support basketball in the Midwest and they're going to have a packed gym. And, um, but, you know, I think too, we've been in those environments, whether it's at East Texas Baptist, which is always has a great crowd or UT Dallas or Harden Simmons. And so we, we feel the conference that we play in has prepared us for this. And, um, you know, again, I, I think that, you know, our team's been through some of those tight games and coming back in some fourth quarter runs in, in pretty tough environments. And so um, even though we're, you know, the makeup of our team is a lot young, they've had to grow up pretty fast and mature pretty fast. Um, and, and I think they're ready for this moment. And, um, you know, we've had a couple of those games. You know, I go back to the East Texas Baptist game at East Texas Baptist in conference in the first quarter. The moment was probably a little too big for them. And you know, we're, we're down, but once we got settled in, made a nice run and end up winning in overtime. And so I, I think those are all things that kind of help mature and, and um, will prepare us. But um, obviously it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a, a battle. Um, they're going to have a great crowd. They're very well coached and uh, we got to come out and make sure that, you know, we do the things that um, we're preparing for this week and executing our game plan. Quickly. I know I've taken a bunch of time, but I just want, I do want to ask about the teams, Mark, I'll start with you. Just tell us who, who, who the team the players we're supposed to be watching on the floor, who's going to stand out to us and how your team clicks. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is you got to look out for Ariana Rossborough, um, Ashley Fox, Bethany McLeod, uh, Caitlin Cole Morgan and Livia champion. Those right now have been playing very well in the tournament this past weekend. Uh, Livia champion has played probably three of the best games Our lost to UT Dallas in the semifinals, but then this past weekend, and then Bethany's had a tremendous season. Ariana Rossborough has been, you know, she's freshman of the year in our conference. Uh, Caitlin Cole Morgan had a big weekend um, and so forth, bouncing back from a, a rough go at the ASC tournament. And then um, Ashley Fox is a 6-1 forward um, who has the ability to go off for 15, 20 points um, when given the opportunity and stuff. And so I think those are the players that we got to look for um, or look at. And those are some of the names that will kind of be, you know, thrown out there in the course of this weekend. And um you know, I think if we can just stay and maintain and do what we're doing, um, you know, I think we've had a renewed by winning this past weekend. Our, our girls are renewed. They're energized. They feel good. Um, as you know, Dave, when you're going through the season, things can kind of get monotonous a little bit. 
And um, I think now that, you know, we have a renewed focus and, um, you know, our, our practice today was high energy and, um, you know, they're, they're feeling like right now there's no reason why they shouldn't be in Pittsburgh with any other team that's competing this weekend. Well said, Cliff. Uh, we obviously know Josiah Johnson, and as you had mentioned, we've talked about not at 100% all season, but tell us a little bit about Josiah, Ty Prince, and the, and the rest of the squad that we got to meet in Vegas, but maybe the rest of the nation is still getting to know. Yeah, I mean, Josiah, when we were out there in Vegas, was was dealing with a you know, fairly significant knee injury, and you know, as the season's got, gone on, he's just gotten healthier and healthier, and I, I think he's feeling good. Um, you know, certainly over the past couple of weeks, he's been special, you know, at 33 um, against uh, Trinity the other day. So, but, you know, obviously Ty Prince is a special talent, you know, with his size and skill set. He, he's a tremendous matchup problem. Then we just have great role players and great guys that, that are very talented to come in and play around those guys. You know, Kyle Wright is just an absolute monster defensively. And Carson Hammond has played the best basketball of his career over the last two weeks. So, you know, those guys would be, be big for us. We're, you know, we'll be a deep team. You know, we'll, we'll play 10, 11, 12 guys. You know, we, had a game, um, I think our, our semifinal game against Texas Dallas. We had seven seven different guys make a three pointer in the game. So you know, it's you know, not a lot of teams can can do things like that. So um, hopefully, we you know we'll play balanced and, and you know Josiah will, will be special like he is, and Ty will be a matchup problem. Everybody else can kind of play off of those guys, and um, you know I, I feel like we should be an issue um, for for teams going forward. Well, gents, uh, I congratulate you both on, on what you've been able to do with the program. Certainly impressive, uh, to say the least. Uh, and I appreciate the time you gave us to talk about it and have a little fun with it. I'm going to be thinking about hogs for the rest of the night, which is not going to help the diet. Um, and, Mark, I'm just going to expect to have some amazing analogy, even if you are out of the Gary, Indiana area. As a guy from Chicago, yeah. I don't think you've got much to talk about out there, but good luck. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're 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 a little thirty minutes east of Gary, so I don't want to lay too much claim to Gary, Indiana. I don't know. So you said Northwest Indiana. That's exactly where I yeah. had. I had to Gary. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got to keep coming a little further east. You got to keep on coming. Don't just stop in Gary. So keep on right. coming. Yeah, I usually never stopped in Gary. Um, yeah, it's probably smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I appreciate both of you guys being on. Thanks so much. Uh, we always give the final word to the guests. Uh, Cliff, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, so when I heard that the girls were playing Transylvania, you know, we were out in Vegas with, with the men, and Coach Lane was a gentleman and a great guy, and I thought it was so cool that they were Transylvania and that their mascot was the vampires until they told me that they're not. Nope. And that is one of the biggest missed opportunities of anybody, of anything I've ever heard. I mean, you're Transylvania. How are you not the batch of the vampires? <laughs> well, they got the batch of the mascot. I mean, I, I just, it's, uh, you know, it's just beyond me that, that they miss an opportunity, but, um, uh, <laughs> also, man, their team was awesome. We ate breakfast with them a couple of times out there at the South point. Um, man, that, that event is so cool because, you know, we hang out with the Trancy guys, the you Chicago guys, the Marietta guys that are still going, you know, uh, hopefully we get a chance to play them man. how cool would that be? Uh, you know, that, that I believe that would be a national final if that happens, but, uh, um, you know, that would be awesome. So, uh, so Dave, my hat's off to you guys for what you, you guys do for D3. Uh, the D3 Hoops Classic was an absolute blast. We had a great time, uh, and it was valuable. It, we learned a lot about our team and, and really got better out there in Vegas. So uh, my hat's out, off to you, buddy. Do a great job for us, and, and uh, hope we get to talk to you soon. Well, I appreciate it. It would be great to run into you once again. Again, bring Mark 
to Vegas, but Mark will yeah, let you have. We gotta, I want. I want to go. I want to go to Vegas. I'm I telling you, both of you Vegas. come together, and it's epic. It'd be fun. But Mark, we'll give All you right, the final thoughts. No, Dave. I, you know, just kind of piggyback off what Cliff said. You know, you guys do a tremendous a lot, a lot for D3 hoops, and I, and I think kind of shows light to you know what D3 hoops is about, what it brings. I think you guys do a tremendous um job of, of just showing the country and the nation what you know what we're about um that it's competitive high level basketball and um shouldn't be something that's overshadowed and um, i know you do a great job i know we were going back and forth last week on just scenarios and stuff like that you guys were a big help in just trying to figure things out and um you know that stuff's invaluable and it's helpful and um you know just really appreciate you having us on cliff and i and just taking the time because i think it really shows that um, what high level basketball is in D three hoops and, and, and the balance that it brings um, to the college athletes. Well, thanks. Bruce. But I want to come to Vegas. I mean, I, if you, if you got to go hog hunting, I can find someone to go hog hunting to get me to Vegas. So whatever it is, Mark, let's go talk to O'Rear when we get done. Hey, let's go do it. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, having you both out there would be fun. I can't promise there's any hog hunting out there just for the record. Don't know if that happens. I know. I know a guy who hog hunts out of a helicopter. So that's only about the hog hunting I have. <laughs> All right. We we'll figure that out in Vegas. Gentlemen, good luck this weekend. Good luck to your teams. Look forward to seeing how it all plays out. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot, Dave. Mark and Cliff joining us from Mary Hart and Baylor. Appreciate them taking the time. We'll take another break. When we come back, we talk to Bill Saul, head coach at Calvin. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
From eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoops. Well, everybody's running a little bit late, but we still have one more interview to go. We'll be with Calvin men's basketball coach Bill Saul. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, after that, we'll take a break, and, or actually probably just after that without taking a break. We'll just get it done with. Got a little bit of business, including talking about Hoopsville t-shirts. If you want a Hoopsville t-shirt, we got information on how you can get a Hoopsville t-shirt and with a twist. Got some ideas. Anyway. That's coming up. We also take care of some other business. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com, um, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of other ways to get a hold of us, and we know you can do so. We uh, appreciate you taking the time. Had some great conversations tonight. Really uh, appreciate everybody's time. Uh, Calvin, listen, dancing in the tournament uh, have been playing pretty well outside of some losses to hope since the beginning of January. Uh, Bill Saul's team has been playing tremendous. And they've got an opportunity here to to kind of do something they haven't done in quite some time. They're in the Sweet 16 since first time since 2014. And I chatted with Bill about it earlier today on the show. I'm sorry, earlier today to get it on the show. We talked to Bill about it because he and his family have got a crazy life on top of all of this. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline, it is the head coach of the Calvin Knights. It is Bill Sale. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, my pleasure, for sure. I appreciate it. Hey, great run, obviously. Uh, I think a few people made a chuckle that you guys, um, being the runner-ups per se in the conference, looked like you had the the tougher run in the tournament or maybe hope at the tougher one. really depends on which perspective it is. But you guys are still the ones carrying the flag in the MIAA. you got to be pretty thrilled with that. We are thrilled beyond belief. Um, you know, that, that tournament, um, and, and again, when you get to the tournament, every game's a tough one. Um, but looking at the matchups that we had, uh, we knew we were going to have to play great. And uh, I was really with, really proud of how our guys played the whole weekend. It's pretty impressive. I, I saw the celebration after the fact in the locker room. I think you knew what was coming, um, <laughs> that you were not going to come out of that unscathed. But, I mean, those were huge wins on the first weekend against, I mean, especially uh, the second game against really tough opponents. Did you guys kind of go in fresh? Did you kind of did you did you look ahead to the second game, even though you weren't sure how about the first one would go? How was your approach to the weekend? Well, I think it's it's always unique, right? We, we've got a lot of uh, seniors and then some fifth year grad students here, um, and you know the devastation of losing your conference finals to Hope. I mean, you don't want to lose in the conference finals, and you certainly don't want to lose to Hope. Um, and then it was hilarious, you know, I mean, all our guys are watching your three hour broadcast about if are you know, projected, are we going to get in or not? Um, and so then on, on Monday to actually, you know, be there and see your name go up, um, was huge. And I think that just gave us new life, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of going on Saturday thinking maybe that might be the last time I ever lace them up, uh, competitively in a collegiate situation, uh, to new life. And I think that's really what we got this weekend is. Um, just a rebirth, a little bit of our guys uh, having something taken away and then having a chance to play again. And it, I think it was instrumental in how we played for the whole weekend. You guys are now in your ninth Sweet 16 as a program, first time since 2014. It's a significant step forward for a program that kind of took a little bit of a back step. Um, did you expect when you came in to have the success as quickly as you did? I don't think you can ever expect anything. Um, I mean, you, you just have to go grind and work. Um, and and I think the, the great thing is, is 
here at Calvin, um, you know, that connection that we have to um, not only West Michigan, but across the country, we were able, really able to bring some great recruits in. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's just one of those processes of every day trying to do what you can do to get better. And uh, this, this team has bought into that. I, I, it has been such a joy and fun to coach these guys. Um, you know, it's a veteran team. So, you know, a lot of times they're coming in with a cup of coffee and, you know, uh, just kind of hanging out. But uh, it, it's been enjoyable to coach. And I've really, you know, we, we've had a couple of times this season where, you know, some other teams without the maturity might have taken a step back, but we just came back uh, the next day ready to go. And it, it's, it's just been an amazing journey all the way through. Yeah, because the first half of the regular season was a little bit bumpy. Um, you guys started four and two, then you won three more straight, then then you lost two right around the end of December. Uh, actually, lost four of well, I think it was six um, end of January, including a loss to Hope. And admittedly, as you said, things can come unraveled at that point. What what was the turning point after that Hope game in January? You know, I, I started out one and two. That That's not the way you want to start out. <laughs> and trust me, those are a couple of sleepless uh, nights. Um, but, you know, we got trying at home um, on a Saturday um, and we played just tremendous defensively, but it still came down to the last possession. And, uh, you know, based on the bounce play, they actually got a pretty good look. They missed it. And I think that just rejuvenated everything. And when you talk about in basketball, right, that, if that shot goes in, who knows where we are. But yeah, yeah. You know, we're able to build on that um, and really um, just put together a good run of basketball. Um, and, and then I think in the tournament, the same type of thing in the conference tournament, man, we were able to really do some good things. And it's a team that's improved. Uh, I think we're just really finding our feet offensively right now. Um, so it, it's, been, it's been neat to see the progressions as guys really got comfortable. Because again, it's interesting, right? We have two fifth year guys in Luke Morrison and Alec and Fruin that, that never played with this group up until this year. So, um, you know, kind of that new life was great, but also figuring each other out took a little more time. Looking at the season, I think I noted this on the NCAA show, after that loss at the beginning of January to Albion, the only team you've lost to is Hope. And while that stings, it also shows you guys were able to figure things out in conference, most importantly, but your scores are all over the place. You had you have a game against some teams that you're scoring in the high 80s. You got other games 90s. You got other games 50s, maybe 60s. Who's controlling the games here? Are you guys getting controlled yourself, or are you able to control some of yourself? You know, for us. And by the way, thanks for reminding me again that we lost a whole three times. I'm doing uh, that for the audience. Doing yeah, the, the audience. It's it's like a it's it's like getting hit in the head with a hammer right on the show. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think for us, what, what is, this is tough, but we, we don't have a post player, right? I mean, it's not, a, we don't play a style or, or, or a game where we can say, hey, look, we're going to dump it into this guy, um, you know, Derek DeVries from two years ago, where, you know, he's, he's going to score, he's going to give you a 26 there. So, you know, we're a jump shooting team. And, you know, there are some good days where uh, those shots go in and it's fantastic and everything's lovely. Um, but some days they don't. Um, and I think, what we've been able to do, I think, over the course of this year is really get a lot of offensive-minded players to believe that, hey, defense is kind of important, and it's a really good idea if we can defend as a team well. Um, and I think that was probably the thing down the course of the season that, that I, I'd say really the last five games I've been really happy with how we have defended. Interesting story you talk offensively in Luke Morrison. By the way, poured in 37 points, including 13 straight at one point in the second half. 
in the game against Plantville, that's what, according to Jeff Phoebus, his fourth 30-point game of the season. Tell me a little bit about the nuance of him plus the rest of the team that clicks, because he's obviously not your only weapon. You've got other options, but he certainly is showing up in, at the right time. He is showing up at the right time in in, in a big way. Um, you know, it's I felt really good because we got to Platteville, and when they practice on Thursday, He's like, man, this is a great shooter's gym. And, I'm, and if when you have a shooter that says that, you feel yeah. really, really good. You know, shooters are so superstitious. You can get yeah. some, you know, they come into a gym and they miss the first shot and say, I, this, I, I, can't, I can't shoot in this environment. Um, so, you know, but the thing for Luke, and I think that's what's just been interesting in his progression, even though he's a fifth-year kid, is he's always been a tremendous shooter. Um, but now he's really been able to get downhill. He's getting to spots at about 15 feet. Um, you know, he took the ball to the rack hard a couple of times in that game. Um, so his comfort level is huge. And I think that's the one thing is, you know, we, we have on the floor at most times we have five guys that all can shoot. They all can put the ball on the floor and they're all really good passers. So um, I, I think that's the one great thing. You can't really help off of any of our guys because they're all very consistent um, with what they can do. Um, and, you know, and Shemansky had a huge game last time that Shemansky, you know, at 17 points. Um, but, you know, we've, we've got a lot of guys that uh, on any given night can give you 15, 20 points. So that really helps. The interesting story about Morrison, if nobody realizes, is that he played for Calvin for a year. Then he transferred to Emory, played out his career there, had a couple NCAA tournament runs, including a heartbreaking end in 2020 before it all came to an end, and then transferred back to Calvin to play with you. And he's not the only one. You've, you've got – as you hinted a little bit of grad transfers, you've got a litany of guys who've got a lot of experience who came to Calvin to try and put this together. Absolutely. And, you know, Luke, Luke was a great story in that, um, you know, he had, he had at Emory for two years and then, you know, their COVID year, they just shut it all down. They didn't, right. they didn't have a practice. They didn't have a game. And, you know, he was really weighing his decision on, you know, is this really how I want my career to end or do I want another chance? Um, you know, Families from the Indiana area um, now has a you know a fiance that's from Grand Rapids, um, and really was was excited about our MBA program here, um, and I think that's a big seller, right? All these we have four guys in the Masters of Business Administration program here, um, and and so yeah, he came, and then Alec Fruin from Northern Michigan University, my old stomping grounds, um, same type of thing. Really was looking at getting an MBA, and I was like, hey, get your MBA, come play another year of basketball too. Um, so it's 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 been an interesting mix of all those guys, um, you know, really kind of coming together, and then, you know, having that that uh, that senior and grad senior leadership, but then really seeing some sophomores really step up to the plate. Um, it, it's just been really unique, but a lot of fun. Now Shemansky's the only oddball, and I say that jokingly. He's got his master's in public health, not the business <laughs> yeah. side of things. Uh, he's yeah. the only one who didn't get the flyer. He's one of those wackies, you know. He's he's a physical therapy guy, so you know, it's oh. like. And say, hey, do your thing. Do what you got. Huge respect for PT guys. They're the only ones keeping my body together at this point. <laughs> um, an interesting twist for you, too, is, listen, you you obviously played at Calvin. This is your alma mater. So, obviously, bringing them back is big for you, getting them back into the tournament and, and, and having relevance again. But you've had experience in the NCAA tournament as well when you were coaching at D2. So, for you, not, not to be a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's kind of par for the course make the NCAA tournament, have some success, et cetera. But what was it to get Calvin to this position to bring your alma mater, the emotions with that, but also the log the logistics and, and the ability to get this team to click? Right. And I, I think that's a big thing is like, and I know you talk to coaches all the time, you know, 
just getting, and I think that's the one thing that's very unique when you talk about division two and then division three, um, you know, I mean, division two is a little small link. We got about 270 schools, you know, you're kind of divided into regions. So, you know, you, you have a pretty good feeling if you have a good year, you're going to get in the tournament. Um, Division three is, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I'm watching your guys on that, that Sunday night and I'm confused. I have no idea even what you're even talking about with all this, all the, all the numbers and everything. I was like, what is going on? But just to make the round of 64 is, a, is an amazing achievement. It truly, truly is. Um, and so, you know, now me emotionally coming back and, and remembering what it felt like as a player and then being here, and now being the coach, it it, it, it was emotional when that, that name got announced. Um, you know, it, there was a few tears in the eyes because it was it was pretty incredible. And you know, I've relayed the story to our guys a bunch of times. My senior year, we got to the final four. Yeah. And and I played literally the worst game. I'm telling you, the worst game of my college career in the final four. I don't know what happened. Still don't know. You know, 40 years later, 30 years later. Um, so it was just great to see these guys embrace it and really just 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 put both feet in and and do what we need to do to have success. No, and a big win over Platteville. And by the way, Calvin loves to beat Wisconsin schools in the NCAA tournament. Something about UW at the beginning of it gets you guys all riled up. I guess so. Uh, by the way, you didn't have to wait long. At least they got your name out of the, out of the way on the tournament uh, selection show pretty quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm telling you, if, if we had to wait till the very, very end, I don't know if I could have taken that. So it was it was nice to see it up there quickly. Thank you. Yeah, I, we saw the emotion. We ran it on the on the Hoopsville show. You guys were clearly thrilled uh, to be in the tournament. Hey, by the way, a little bit busy on your side of things. We should point out, uh, while you've got the team in the second weekend, it's thrown a wrench into all the plans for the family. Uh, I'm just reading off the notes I've got here. Your daughter, a sophomore, Calvin, is running at the indoor track and field championships this coming weekend. She's yeah. third, third seed in the 800s, um, and other things. She, that's not the only thing she'll be doing. She'll be doing the medley. Uh, you've got triplets, by the way. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> two girls and a son. The two girls just won the state high school district tournament title. Play for regionals actually tomorrow on Tuesday and Quinton will be in his first state uh, district tournament on Monday night. How are you balancing all the uh, family success here along with your own personal success? It's not easy. Let me tell you that. Um, it's we, we had kind of a tug of war on Sunday as far as my wife and where she was going to go. Um, and I, I finally said, Hey, look, you know, you made the commitment to Delaney first to go down to South Carolina. Plus it's way warmer than Cleveland. <laughs> So, so she's going to go down um, to that tournament um, and or to the, the, the track finals. Um, we're all going to be able to hit Tuesday, which is awesome, um, and see the girls play West Catholic, which will be a really, really good game. Um, and, and unfortunately, Quentin is going to be on his own a little bit, but, uh, but we'll be cheering him on and watching it online. And uh, he's hoping that uh, he promised me if, if we do win on, on – uh, on Friday, he's going to make the trip to Cleveland on Saturday so we can have uh, the triplets there, at least with me, for the final. That'd be cool. Yeah, uh, we should point out we're talking to you midday because you're busy with everything else going on, with those state tournaments going on. You obviously have to be somewhere to try and watch all of that. So nothing like a challenge. Uh, back to business at hand, you do have to get past Elmhurst. You might know a thing or two about Elmhurst. You guys played earlier this year. They they nipped you by nearly 20. Um, I'm sorry, you guys nipped them by nearly 20. I got the scores backwards in my head. But I have a feeling we throw that a little bit of that out the window, right? Well, we throw that completely out the window. Um, you know, that was uh, – I thought we played well um, in the same breath. You know, you 
you're, you're coming on a Wednesday from Elmhurst. We all know how that travel stuff goes. And you just look at that team, um, how balanced they are, how good their guard play is. Um, and then, you know, the, the wins, right? I mean, I, I think we all can safely say, and there were some conversations early on, you know, is the WEAC or the CCIW, and we're just going to go on who won, right? I mean, that, that's the best conference in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they handled themselves incredibly well there. This is a really well-coached, defensive-minded, but still can put up buckets in a hurry. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be everything we have to, to get into this game and stay in this game. Of course, you're at Case Western. So yeah. they've got you. They're in the mix here, and Mary Harden Baylor's flying in from Texas. Two yeah. very different teams there too, and right. one in Case Western who's shown that this game's never over. Oh no! <laughs> the end of that game was crazy, huh? I mean, Both of them. <laughs> oh, I mean, just that's you know what? That's a great thing. NCAA basketball. I mean, I don't care what level it is. It is just amazing to watch and so much fun. I mean. Those games are just crazy. I caught the end of both of them, and it's just, wow. What 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 performances by both teams, I tell you. Uh, I know it's things that you guys lost to Hope three times this year, but You're do you get the feather? No, no, I, I, I segue, segue. Do you get the feather in your cap because you're still in the tournament? <sighs> so somebody asked me that. Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Quite honest. I, know, uh, I, I had a feeling, actually. <laughs> but, it, I mean, trust me, we are – so happy to be where we're at, but yeah, that 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 sting. Uh, trust me, that's going to be uh, be with you for the summer. Oh, it is. I have a feeling it might build you guys the next season. Just <laughs> got a feeling on that. Hey, sir, appreciate the time. I don't want to keep you. I know you're busy, obviously, not only with the team, but with family stuff. But we appreciate. It. We always give the tradition on the show. Give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Yeah, one thing I, I and, and people have asked a little bit, and, and man, you do such a great job, but. You know, I just love, I love the, the fan bases of all these schools. It's amazing. Um, and, 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 and coming back to this after uh, kind of being away for, for a while, um, man, it, 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 it just renews this spirit for what's all good in basketball. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun. And, and I really appreciate being on your show. Um, but it's, it's, it's been a great experience for me, uh, not only being back here at Calvin, but being really a part of D3 basketball again. It's just, it's the best. It just no, is. well said. I agree with you on the fandom too. Matt, Matt and Zack Snyder may be an exception. Well, you know, they're a little crazy. So. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to appreciate that too. Hey, Bill, thanks so much for the time. Right. Take care of yourself. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Here's Bill Sale coming to you from Calvin on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. I don't know why in the world I was saying sale at any point in time today. It is Bill Saul. It is S-A-L-L. I have no idea where sale came from. I apologize now to everybody who heard me say it. I, I don't know where that got in my head. I really don't. No clue. It, it, it clearly got there. And every time I said it, I didn't, I didn't believe myself, but I said it apparently. He didn't correct me either. That's how sad that is. Bill Saul. Bill Saul. Bill Saul. Thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Great chat with him. Um, congrats to the Knights on where they are. Um, quickly, let's talk about the tournament and some of the quirks. So um, I, I teased this at the beginning. Should have talked about it more at the beginning, but we didn't. Hosting decisions. Let's start on the men's side. Upper left-hand corner went to Case Western Reserve. Um, there was talk about why it didn't go to Elmhurst. From what we were told, they... Uh, couldn't host or or didn't host or didn't want to host or we're not sure what. 
I mean, I've heard some things off the record and behind the scenes that I'm not reporting, but it didn't work out. Um, but that is what it is. Um, I saw Bob Quillman at one point say, Hey, you know, you got to put your paperwork in. He's right. Um, that dates way back. And we'll talk about that in a little bit on some other ones. Got to put your paperwork in, but I'm not sure if that was a whole picture at Elmhurst. I'm not really sure. I got the sense that maybe they knew they weren't going to host or they couldn't host or whatever, but they're not hosting because they didn't put into host. And, uh, the other one that could have hosted in that group, obviously Mary Harden Baylor could not. The other one that could have hosted in that group was Calvin. We did not talk to Bill about why not, um, but they aren't hosting. Now, there's a, I don't know. I could check into it, but maybe maybe they're using that building for something else this weekend too. But that's the deal. Here, Here's the thing. Case Western's probably not hosting that, right? Well, maybe, maybe they are over Calvin. I'd have to go back and check the last regional rankings. To know that answer for sure, and I'm doing that as I quickly talk to you since we're back live. That segment was taped. And by the way, haha, yes, Zach had some fun with you guys. Shots fired. <laughs> uh, but coach, coach is actually the one that fired right back, uh, as as you clearly saw. Um <laughs> that was that was good stuff, I'll admit. Um, but again, the final regional rankings, let's just take a, a quick look at region seven. Well, Case Western was ahead of Calvin. So Case Western's hosting ahead of them, but Elmer's would have probably hosted instead of Case Western. Um, so, again, there's that deal. Lower left-hand corner, uh, the host is... Who is it again? Sorry, I'm looking at a, a black brand. Oh, I shouldn't have to. It's right here. Illinois Wesleyan, that, that seemed pretty obvious, I think, um, for the most part. Illinois Wesleyan seemed to be the uh, strongest resume there. Uh, and obviously, they aren't sending everybody to Williams. So makes the most sense. Of course, two CCIWs there in Illinois, Wesleyan and Wheaton facing off. We'll talk more about that on Thursday. Uh, up in Marietta, it's obvious Marietta's hosting. They're the the top seed remaining in that uh, on in that bracket. Uh, the two top seeds are on the right side. Have survived. The two lefts ones did not. So Marietta's obviously hosting there. No no surprise there. And Randolph Macon's obviously hosting. So no surprise there. On the women's side, we'll start with the uh, lower right because I'm going to work my way back to the other one. Transylvania seemed like an obvious choice there. Springfield uh, had to fly. Mary Harden Baylor had to fly no matter what. I think Ithaca would, you know, that's a great question is if Ithaca had to fly if they had gotten out of there. Because I do think there's some interesting questions regarding what the women did in terms of bracketing. We had some issues early on with maybe the lack of diversity um, in terms of what they did for the opening weekends, but they have six flights. And yeah, Trans Ithaca would have had to fly as well. So how this would have broken down, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if had Ithaca won, if other decisions get made um, or not. But that goes to Transylvania. The upper right goes to Hope. NYU and Scranton have to fly. I looked at them like, well, maybe they can get Milliken to Scranton, and then maybe this is at Scranton, but Milliken to Scranton was a flight too. So the only option, they go with the top seed, they go to Hope. There's two flights there. That's now four flights. You go to the lower left-hand corner being hosted by Whitewater. That would have been hosted by Baldwin-Wallace, and there would have been no flights, none at all, had Baldwin-Wallace put into host. From what I'm told, they did not. From what I've heard, they did make an inquiry at the last minute, but the NCAA has a rule. Division Three has a rule. you got to put your paperwork in. If your paperwork's not in, you're not getting rewarded with a host. And the exception to that is if they have a pod for four teams and no one put into host, then they would request somebody to see who it is, and they would go through the criteria if, if multiple people put it in. So, interestingly enough, two extra flights here 
right? Or one extra flight, sorry, one extra flight for, for Smith to get to Whitewater because Baldwin Wallace is hosting. But Smith could have gotten, to, I believe, I, I did this mileage. Um, I might have said all that and I'm wrong. I did this mileage on uh, Sunday night while I wasn't, or on Saturday night while I was a, a little bit asleep. I wasn't really on top of my game. Yeah, 579 miles. So that would have been a bracket with no flights whatsoever. Then the upper left-hand corner, this is where the overall number one seed, according to the committee, Christopher Newport resides. And remember, they did not host the opening weekend because the men were hosting. This is getting done, sent to Amherst because Tufts is 619 miles from Christopher Newport. And this begs the question of something that maybe we should have seen before and raised questions about sooner, though it wouldn't have changed anything. Is this the best option? Now, one suggestion somebody threw out there was Tufts and Scranton should have been swapped. Okay, considering that you're sending a flight anyway, that makes sense, because Scranton heading with NYU to Hope, you don't change the flights there, but by putting Scranton in this upper left-hand side, that's Scranton pot, so the games of Scranton, New Jersey City, New Paltz, and Babson, you then set up a scenario that Christopher Newcourt could have hosted. That said, had Babson come out of that and upset Tufts, no, we're back to square one. I'm sorry. If Scranton had, if Babson had upset Scranton, I apologize, I misspoke there. If Scranton had upside, upset Babson, we're back to the same scenario we're dealing with now. The only difference is Babson wasn't considered a high seed, thus why they were on the road at Scranton playing a game against New Paltz in the first round. Tufts was a home team. You're considering them a higher seed, essentially the three seed of these of the top four in that group, Amherst, Tufts, Harden-Simmons, Christopher Newport. Even though Hopkins hosted, it was Christopher Newport. So maybe Tufts shouldn't have been in this group. My point being, if you're going to have an overall number one seed and you also know they're not going to host at home, maybe you should make sure you put a bracket together that at least on chalk, meaning the top teams win, Chalk says that they can host the next weekend. I think there's a valid argument here that maybe the women's committee missed this. That said, there are six flights in this tournament or in this weekend. Some of them due to upsets, but not all. The fact that the Smith bracket was lined up with the Whitewater bracket or the DePaul bracket or the Illinois Wesley bracket, however you want to look at that. The fact that NYU and Scranton were lined up with Hope and Milliken is fascinating. That the women were able to get in the second weekend possibilities of multiple flights. They didn't get a lot in the first weekend. The men didn't get more flights in the first weekend than I think they ended up in the second. So the question becomes multifaceted here. First, are the budget restraints a little bit off for both gen both committees because we haven't had a tournament since 2020 and we haven't had a champion since 2019? I say a little bit off. Because I do know on the women's side, they lobbied hard that despite Tufts travel, they go to Christopher Newport anyway, which would have added a seventh flight. And my theory was that Baldwin Wallace not hosting and forcing an extra flight there may have been the tipping point to say, no, we're not giving the extra flight for Christopher Newport. I am told that that isn't the case, that if they were hosting at Baldwin Wallace, then that five flights would have been the the number that they wouldn't have added a six to make Christopher Newport work. So I don't know, but I I'm just saying 
cosmetically, on appearance-wise, whatever you want to say, six flights and adding a seventh looks bad. Five flights adding a six maybe doesn't look as bad. But I guess it's perspective on where you're starting from in the first place. So does the women's... Com- so first off, it looks like the, the restraints are off a little bit because th- the fact that some of these chalk matchups, which are forced flights anyway were allowed for the second weekend in women's basketball is pretty interesting considering the fact that we've seen these types of attempts before, at least I know of attempts like these before, be shut down by the liaison or others, whoever's in charge of doing that, to say, no, you can't have that many flights in the second half. Even non-chalk options, you've got potential of upset and that could add a flight and we're going to tell you no, redo your bracket. So the women have a lot of crossover in the second weekend where the men don't have as much. They use their, for lack of a better description, they use their money bags in the first weekend. I'm, and and I don't know enough of what's going on behind the scenes without having some more conversations. Don't know all the nuances, but back to the point, I feel like maybe they should have made sure the bracket Christopher Newport was in at least chalk allowed Christopher Newport to host. And including Tufts in that at 619 miles was maybe questionable. Now, if this was the old days and it was 519 miles, maybe you can con them into a flight. I don't know. But 619 miles, there's no conversation there. They're not going to do it. We're already at 600 miles. You could, I don't know. I I don't know if Tufts is technically closer (laughs) than by those 19 miles than Tufts. Smith, that is. Let's see. Uh, I'm, <laughs> now I'm just kind of finding, I'm trying to find some options here for Christopher Newport. Uh, yeah, Smith could have gotten there easily. They're 556 miles. So, you know, maybe you flop the, the, the Smith bracket. But then that said, they have Smith as the top dog in that part of the corner, in that corner. They're basically the number two seed, or they're one of the other number. I guess Simpson was the other number one. So maybe that's not fair to swap them with Tufts. I don't know for sure. Scranton is certainly a choice that was given to me. That's not a bad one. Really, it could have been a whole host of options, to be honest. Maybe it's maybe it's the Ithaca one, because Springfield can certainly get to, to um, Christopher Newport. So I, I do feel like maybe the women's committee missed on that and and to protect Christopher Newport from not hosting or for, to, to host. Instead, they had to Amherst. Because Amherst is inside the 600 miles. Trinity was flying anyway. And that's how we get to where we are. Um, I, 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 I feel bad for Christopher Newport. Because as the overall number one seed, they're not getting a chance to host. That said, they've been road warriors anyway. The C2C tournament was out at UC Santa Cruz. The first weekend was on the road at Johns Hopkins. And now this second weekend, they'll be on the road at Amherst. Now, I'm hearing some quirks about behind the scenes about other transportation issues for Christopher Newport. I I don't know a lot about. We'll have to look into. But Christopher Newport's going through the ringer, and hopefully they can get through this. No matter where they were playing, Trinity, Texas is going to be a beast of a game. And then Tufts Amherst on the other side is a beast. Because at this point in the women's side, we are into nothing but challenging games. But I am interested on the women's side. We'll have to dive into it more. How that for lack of a better description, got bungled because it feels like Christopher Newport should have been protected a little bit more. Um, 
But again, again, look at the men's side of things in terms of geography. You look at this weekend, it's Case Western Reserve versus Merrihart and Baylor. Terrific. But then you got Calvin versus Elmer, somewhat close to each other. Wabash versus Williams. That one's a little bit more unique. Illinois Wesleyan Wheaton, it's two conference teams. RPI, WPI, they're somewhat, you know, regionally close together. Randolph Macon, Mass Dartmouth, that's a little bit of a crossover. Stockton, Christopher Newport, they're somewhat uh, not that far from each other. Heck, they're they're NJAC football. Well, Stockton doesn't have football, so never mind. Um, and Marietta versus Oswego. Uh, so, you know, this has been down this road. So the men isn't as diverse this weekend, whereas the women's is a lot more diverse. It's an interesting scenario, and I, I'd be curious on how that all played out. But um, uh, really, again, we'll, we'll try and cross that bridge on the women's side in terms of the bracketing and what those decisions were and, and, and compare notes on what the men's decisions were. Did the men have other ideas that got snuffed out? because of logistics and travel and budget and all that. And is it true that maybe the men's and women's basketball committees got a little bit more leeway and side note, ice hockey came out today. They got two conference mates facing off in the first round on the men's side. There's a, I was under the impression the rule still existed. The conference teams were not to play in the first round. I'm not, I don't have connections on the ice hockey as much as, as every other sport, but I'm certainly want to look into that one because we were under the impression that that rule was still in place. So other committees make mistakes too. Uh, and I'm not saying this was a mistake. I'm just saying it might've been overlooked and I feel bad for Christopher Newport, but they'll, they'll, they'll get it done. I suspect they're obviously going to have a, a chip on their shoulders regarding all of this. And we'll see how it all plays out. Um, quickly, uh, some people already noticed, <laughs> um, Matt, Matt saying, trying to cancel my t-shirt our order now <laughs> after a little fun we had with uh, Matt and, and, and Zach Snyder. Yeah. T-shirts are available. We, we kind of sent something out about this and said, Hey, are you interested? Do you want to do something? So we tweeted out, we found a company that got together with us. We've had several companies that, that have been possibilities here. So we're trying this one out. It's a uh, team orders.net. Um, the company that I'm talking with, I think that's their name to be honest. Uh, yeah. Team orders.net. Um, this is what the page looks like when you go there, Hoopsville Apparel, you'll go down, you'll see there are three t-shirts available. We have a, uh, a cotton t-shirt for $17. You can get it in multiple colors, gray, orange, and kind of this natural color. You also have a performance t-shirt for $17. looks like a black, a gray, and a white. Uh, you also have this, uh, burnt orange color on an essential Russell essential t-shirt for $18 also in black and white as well. By the way, you can also get hashtag glean on the back. If you want, I think, I don't remember if it's for extra or not. Uh, hashtag hoopsville on the back as well. I'm going to show this quickly and then I'm gonna get off of it as quickly as I can. There's also a special t-shirt for any of you out there who really like, uh, the show. Uh, we'll just leave that as it is. So, uh, proceeds go to hoopsville. Well, this is going to be up for a couple of weeks at least. Um, we hope you'll, uh, consider it and take advantage of it and whatever you want to do. Um, you can get your name printed for an extra few dollars on it if you want to. Um, really appreciate the effort by George and his crew to help get us on the on that. We'll see how it does. We'll see how it does. I'm, I'm not sure. We'll see if it's a fundraising option for us in the future. We'll keep uh, tweeting out links for it and we'll put it everywhere we can. And maybe you'll take advantage of it and help support the show. We hope you will. And uh, we appreciate it all the same. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show. I don't think there was anything else we needed to tackle. I'll double check the email, make sure there wasn't something we missed on email. There is not. Uh, we'll be back on the air Thursday, seven o'clock Eastern time. We'll talk to more teams who are in the tournament 
am playing this coming weekend. For Just so you know, right now I'm looking at going to Randolph-Macon on Friday. Not sure I'm going to be able to get anywhere on Saturday as I have other responsibilities. I'm looking to either changing um, or just doing. I think I may have have something with the family, so I may not be able to go anywhere on Saturday. But if I am somewhere on Saturday, I'll either be at Randolph-Macon or maybe somewhere else. But otherwise, definitely going to look at getting to Randolph-Macon on Friday night for those games. Of course, go to d3hoops.com for all of our coverage regarding the NCAA tournament. You can find the updated brackets. You'll find schedule pages along with schedule times. Uh, You'll also find plenty of stories we're working on for this week as well. And again, Thursday we'll be on the air with Hoopsville, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Justin Trophies uh, will be, uh, finalists will be coming soon. We'll also hear about All-Star Game rosters and all of that jazz. That's all in the works. We'll have more information on that as time moves along. I want to thank all of our guests, Lynn Hersey from Smith, John Baines from Elmhurst, Brad Fisher at Wisconsin Oshkosh, uh, Colin McNamara at WPI, Cliff Carroll and Mark Moorfield from Mary Harden Baylor, and Bill Saul from Calvin. I want to thank all their SIDs uh, for their help as well. Uh, Sierra at Smith, uh, Kevin Judy at, at the very last minute help at Elmhurst. I really appreciate his efforts. Kenan at UW Oshkosh. I want to thank Rusty Egan and his staff at WPI. Of course, uh, Sarah and her crew at Mary Harden Baylor. And a big th- shout out and thanks to Jeff uh, Phoebus at uh, Calvin for his assistance as well. That's it for Hoopsville. Reminder, uh, we're brought to you by Blue Frame Technology and the Team One Sports app. That's how you're watching us on the big screen and wherever else tonight due to our issues on the Presto side. So we're not watching on D3Hoops.com. I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology and the Team One Sports app for all of their assistance. Uh, they've been more than um, helpful for us over the years, and uh, and it means a lot to us. You can stream the games on your big screen or your games. You can also stream Hoopsville via Apple TV, Roku, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. Big thank you to them. Of course, also a big thank you to the NABC and its thousands of coaches who support us, especially in Division Three, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. To learn more about them, head to nabc.org. Of course, BlueFrame uh, is blueframetech.com. So want to thank everybody for tuning in. Yeah, check those T-shirts out, by the way, um, and maybe buy a few. Let us, let us know uh, how it all works, too. See if maybe it's successful. Right now, looks like we got the deadline of Sunday, March 27th. So a week after the tournament is when we will uh, bring this to a close. So March 27th is what we're looking at for a deadline on that uh, to buy your T-shirts. Uh, by the way, just in a note, you'll get your T-shirts then after that deadline. So they'll process the order at the end. So you're not going to get your T-shirts until April. Um, just a heads up. But it's something to wear during the uh, spring and summer. And we appreciate your support. Again, back on the air, 7 o'clock on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at the WBCA, Blue Frame Technology, and the NABC, of course, as well. Good night, everybody. <laughs>